Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast. Uh, it's commentary time. We were uh, joking around on a Friday night, as we are apt to do on this show, and thought, why the hell not record another commentary track? And with me today, it's his birthday, so we're all going to wish him a big happy birthday on this podcast. Mike Leapock, welcome back, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. So we actually got to hang out last weekend, which is rare for us. Usually we just do this podcast over Skype. So uh, that was a lot of fun. We got to play a little magic, and uh, we watched that uh, that episode of Game of Thrones. And yeah. there was a lot of alcohol. Uh, it, it, it sure was. It was also an interesting thing. It's, it's always kind of funny seeing you in person because, you know, we, we text a lot. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll Skype or whatever. And then when seeing you, it reminds me that you're actually a human being with an actual physical form. Yeah, a lot of people, to a lot of people, I'm just a, uh, <laughs> a, a cartoon character that exists in their phones a lot of the time. <laughs> like, well, you may as well be one of those apps that just sends a random quote from a show that I watch. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I pretty much am that. I should, I should, <laughs> I should invent that. I wish I had the means to invent that. You could use, you could create the Matt Pierce app. Yeah. <laughs> and then just have a list of what do you like? Oh, Modern Family, whatever. All right. And then yeah. I just send quotes from whatever to you that day. Good work. <laughs> or you can even figure it out. It's like I see you like Modern Family and Archer. I bet you have watched Venture Brothers. I'm going to send you Venture Brothers quote. <laughs> exactly. Student oh, Green is people. <laughs> oh man, um, I'm really glad because uh, like we watched episode six, and actually we watched episode six of Game of Thrones because you know you you've been on two Game of Thrones podcasts and you're going to be on the big um, season ender and episode uh, you know at, at mid June when this season mercifully comes to an end because. Fuck, it's been terrible so far. What a terrible season of Game of Thrones. And you know what? I'm really glad we didn't record, because like we we'd kicked around the idea of us, because we've never been able to do an in-studio podcast before, so we were kicking around the idea of doing an in-studio one after episode six. I'm really glad we didn't, because I had such bad drunk vision from watching that episode six. <laughs> where, like, yeah, you really enjoyed it. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, that was so good. Like yeah. after every scene. <laughs> I know, and I'm fairly certain I said, oh my god, that was a top five episode after it was done. And then I sobered up the next day and watched it, and I was like, wait, this episode was a piece of shit. And like it was, <laughs> it was really bad. Like the, oh, like like the they're really d- disappointing me with the sand snakes this year because like that, like I rewatched that fight without drunk vision anymore and. Like, their fight scene with Braun and Jamie, that was one of the worst choreographed fights you'll ever see on television. And for, like, a billion-dollar television show. Uh, you know what? Being, uh, having only watched it so far with Drunk of Vision, I have to say that that's uh, probably true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... What you pointed out afterwards, that it was the three Sand Snakes came in and they didn't just immediately get murdered. Like, Jamie and Braun were barely able to handle themselves against three grunts or was it four i guess four grunts in like the previous or two previous episodes yeah so four or whatever and uh jamie manages to barely survive getting beaten by this one guy and then they fight the sand snakes which are like supposed to be like super crazy good and you know they hold their own for a while (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, and Sand Snakes had them outnumbered essentially three to one and a half because, like, Jamie's <laughs> yeah. essentially half a dude with his one hand. Yeah, if you're counting hands, then yeah. <laughs> and it was so bad, too, because, like, the, the, the one woman, I, I forget her name, I think it's, like, Keisha Castle Hall or something like that. I'll have to look up her name. The, the one who's playing Obara Sand right now, that woman mm-hmm. has an Oscar, and she is not pulling off the Dornish accent right now. Like, she's, like, doing the, like, I am Obara Sand, and I fight for Dawn. <laughs> Who do you fight for? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I'm really glad we didn't record a drunk podcast after, because I would have basically had to either delete it or... <laughs> on our end, or on the season ending podcast being like yeah ignore every thing we said in that pod because that episode was crap <laughs> well you can start it off with the uh the intro of so uh <laughs> it's like uh when they do drunk history and it's like <laughs> one evening matt pierce drank a bottle of scotch and then decided to do a podcast on an episode of game of thrones oh my god it was the best thing ever <laughs> And it was not. <laughs> he quickly realized in the light of day when he rewatched the episode that it was crap. But anyway, we're not talking. We're not supposed to be talking Game of Thrones right now. A little little impromptu today. Mm-hmm. Coming back, you're back. You you were on the the X Men commentary from uh, a few weeks back when we did uh, the X One. Yeah, when we did. Uh, I guess it's called X One these days, or it's just called X Men from 2000 but today you that and i are X-Men gonna movie that <laughs> x-men movie the one that started it all kind of depending yeah. on who you ask i kind of think that blade started it all because i like to give wesley snipes his due but you <laughs> you could make the argument that the 2000 well, X-Men. I, I, I definitely have made the argument that the 2000 x-men is, is the one that started it all <laughs> yeah well the one we're doing today we're gonna do x2 or x-men 2 and this is the one that really you know, this is the one that started. This is probably the first really, really good um, comic book movie. Like this, this one, this one is good. Like has great performances, a great plot, top to bottom. And it was a year before Spider Man Two came out. Yeah, like this is not only uh, the best, like movie i think i think it's probably the best marvel movie from that era but it is one of the only real like this is the x-men movie yes like it is a present day uh like what you what i think of x-men like not if you don't do like time travel or prequels or any of that shit this is the x-men movie because the first one while being really decent just had to use so much of its time introducing all of the characters uh, that they didn't really have much time to do an actual movie. Um, whereas this one, they're like, all right, let's assume everyone knows all these people already because that's what we spent two hours doing in the last movie. Now we can finally actually make a movie. Yeah, now we can get down to brass tacks and and, yeah. and just get into these guys punching the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, so... X2, if you got it, put it in your DVDs or your Blu-rays or your streaming or your downloads or whatever. Get it to absolute zero. And I will push play now. All right. 20th Century Fox. 
Just making sure you get sued again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So here we go. The 20th Century Fox logo is up, and we are off and running. And if your play is off from what I was just singing, then it's probably right, because what I did was horrible. Yeah. So there's the Marvel, the, the infamous Marvel logo, and... As we get into X2, much like X1, we start off with the the sweet, sweet, dulcet tones. <laughs> Velvet and peanut Sir butter. Sir Patrick Stewart. Of Sir Patrick. Is he knighted? Yeah. Oh, good for him. So awesome. And this, this, this you can tell. Um, now, this one is definitely, like we talked about the first one, the first um, X-Men movie, while technically being... Um, BM or or being sorry, uh, AM after Matrix, yeah. they had filmed everything, so the CG wasn't as sexy. But this one is clearly AM after Matrix, and you can tell because look at how much cleaner this intro is. Yeah, like it's I don't actually really really similar to the first one, but yeah, it's like they just really really stepped up their game. Yeah, like the first one we were going through like some weird like DNA strand or something, and this one we were kind of going through like the mechanical. Yeah, the first one actually reminded me more of Fight Club. Yes, sort of Fight Club. Very good point. So, because in the first one we were going through like DNA strands, and then in this one we were going through um, what is like the mechanical components i guess that made up cerebro and then we eventually got into kind of like the digital of the cerebro chamber yeah looked a lot nicer and here we are in what ends up being one of the stronger opening scenes in all of comic book movies i would say yeah because they can just get right into it something i actually noticed about this one is that the intro is super short like there are a couple of them where, like, the actual uh, intro sequence with all, like, the DNA stuff and, like, other movies where it just seemed to go on really long, and this one was just really intense, done, and bam, straight to the action. Yes. Spider-Man 3, I remember, did that, because they, like, they, Spider-Man, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans always did that, like, thing where we were, like, following the webs yeah. during the intro titles, and, like, Spider-Man 3 was, like, not only are we following the webs, but we're going to go through all the plot details of Spider-Man's 1 and 2. There's Alan coming. Now, this up. is something that I really like about this scene is that they're playing Mozart in the background. Oh god. This is Dies Irae from Mozart's Requiem. And it's oh god. And it's like it's got <laughs> multiple subjects, and it's like, nope, it's only one. Yeah. Oh god. This is such an awesome scene. And like if you were a nightcrawler, was pretty much everybody from our generations. Like if you watch the X-Men cartoon. Nightcrawler was your dude, right? And he was like the only good guy in that really bad um, X Men game for the Sega Genesis, like that platform <laughs> oh, X-Men yeah. the Sega Genesis. Like you could be uh, him, Wolverine, Gambit, or Cyclops, I think, and and like Nightcrawler was the only dude. That's a really good transition there, where it goes through the eye hole. Like, man, that's really creative. Yeah, they've. The only unrealistic thing is that they didn't immediately shoot that guy before yelling, "Not don't shoot." <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> you just want to fill in with bullet. Don't shoot! <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, say what you will, like, I can't remember, what was the opening in the first X-Men movie? Didn't it just show Rogue, like, kissing her boyfriend and knocking him out or something like that? Like, wasn't that the opening scene to, that to the first be. one? It was, yeah, because it wasn't, at that point, Wolverine wasn't the focus, right? So your first no. thing with is when Rogue finds him. But I mean, look at how good the CG is on this fight when, like, Alan Cummins is just, like, coming out and looking at him. He's kicking these guys. I mean, they're clearly yeah, on fire. It actually stuff, ages but... super well. Because yeah. I know this movie's a little old, but they, they kept it uh, simple enough that it's... I don't know. It, it, it works really, really well and looks good. <laughs> well, it's because it's 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 after Matrix, like I said, so they, they're, there's no excuse for bad CG. And even, like, the tail, which is digitized still looks pretty good yeah the tail and knife <laughs> yeah man that like and like like just what a strong opening like he just this nightcrawler running around the oval office just kicking guys in their stupid face yeah so, <laughs> i remember when i saw that in the scene like when i first saw this in the theaters i was just like oh crisis is gonna be a good movie <laughs> right like, <laughs> Uh, like I said, this this is what I I feel is like the first real X Men movie. This is the one where they are just like, all right, we get to make a movie now. Let's just and then we don't have to waste time introducing characters or anything like that. We can just have awesome fight scenes set to Mozart <laughs> because we can. <laughs> that looked really bad there. That shot of him. That was clearly. Uh... That shot of him on the hill. A, that was clearly not Hugh Jackman, and B, it was also a green screen. Like he he was not in Canada for that particular shot. So that that one looked pretty bad. So here we're we're picking up the Wolverine plot line because at the end of X two, that see again, that's another bad <laughs> shot that was clearly green screened and also clearly not Hugh Jackman. Right there, <laughs> like that's not great. <laughs> And then here's just Hugh Jackman's just on a set. Like, he's clearly not in Canada. Like, like he's comfy right now. This guy's got a roof over his head. You know, he's probably got a fluffer standing by. <laughs> I, I, love, I love how, watching the scene, thinking of later in the movie, when they're all like, oh, it's that Alkali Lake. And he's like, I went there. There was nothing there. They're like, yeah, it was downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and when you find the place, like, there's all sorts of entrances, like, above-ground entrances to the place. Yeah. Like, like, like you, you seriously never checked that giant tube? Yeah. That huge like, tunnel that went downstairs, obviously? Yeah. That probably reeks of man. <laughs> yeah, good point. Not only that, but he's Wolverine, and he, like, smells. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, they kind smell. of, that he didn't smell the mass of humanity that would be down, that was downstairs, like, with their secret base that happens to be bad. I just imagine there's a security guy who's watching it and just like killing himself laughing <laughs> he's like oh, what an idiot he just walked right by our giant tube <laughs> that's funny you want to talk about good career decisions you know what uh, Halle Berry that like or I may be telling tales out of school here but Halle Berry allegedly the story goes she was torn between doing uh, or she, she was offered the role of a like, or she was offered a role in another movie and that other movie that she like the dates of filming that movie conflicted with 
uh, X2. And obviously, mm-hmm. Brian Singer wanted to bring her back as Storm. And she, she was like, well, I don't know if I want to come back and be part of a ensemble when I can play the title character of this particular movie right. that she was offered. And instead, she turned it down. And, and she ultimately, obviously, decided to turn it down and reprise her role as Aurora Monroe in X2. Mm-hmm. That, that movie she turned down, or that role she turned down, Geely. <laughs> That's great. Yep. <laughs> she turned down the main role in Geely, and, uh, which was originally offered to her. And then when she passed, they went to Jennifer Lopez, or sort of the story. So the story goes. Well, <laughs> no, that, that, that Jennifer Lopez was their second in line for that. <laughs> I guess. Or I don't know if she was the second or if she was like fourth or fifth down the line or whatever. Like, yeah. They, they, but. You know, the legend goes that Halle Berry was originally originally said, yes, I was going to do, yeah, or originally said yes to Gigli, and then found out the dates conflicted with X2, and she said, ah, I guess I'll pass on Gigli and yeah. do X2. <laughs> you know, it's one thing I was, I've always been really happy about with these movies, is that, okay, so they have, like, if you compare the movies to the, uh, the cartoon show, they both kind of have a teenage girl as a big focus of it which is you know, Rogue in the movies and Jubilee in the cartoon show. And yes. I'm super happy they did not use Jubilee because she always seemed so useless. Well, she like, is. Her mutant powers are horrific. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to light things up a bit, maybe. Yeah, and she's like, like and, if, if like you need a every light, fight, I'm your she girl. does the same thing. Against the friggin' Sentinels, the Sentinels would show up and she'd go, pow! And she'd like shoot her bright lights at their eyes and they would not be unfazed and then punch her in the face. And then that would be it. Like, for her. <laughs> Who are these two losers that they would need, feel the need to smoke in this, like, Museum of Natural History or whatever it is, right? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Who doesn't... Well, being Canadian, maybe... Uh, well, if they're not spoiled. in Canada, though, are they? No, no. No, that's the thing. That being Canadian, maybe we're spoiled by the fact that we don't have losers that light up in museums. This might be a more American thing. I suppose, but even that doesn't even seem like I don't even necessarily think it's an American thing, but like they're just trying to be like it's more like we want to have this con or like singer singer just kind of went, I want to kind of have this scene where Professor X does this where he freezes everybody's bodies, and I gotta introduce that this guy's pyro and show his fire powers and stuff. How do I do it? I know I'll have these cartoonishly <laughs> bullyish. Like like after like after school special bully bullyish type of like type of dudes try to bum a smoke and like they're looking down <laughs> in a Pacman's top and like, like and given you, you see the grin that he gave her yeah like, she's not even showing that much cleavage she's like hi yeah it was like the most <laughs> creepy like like it was it was essentially a mini after school special like don't act like an a like an a hole or else. Or, or, or someone will light fire to you. Is that exactly. the lesson? <laughs> if you're a jerk, people will legitimately light you on fire. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was it was so cartoonish that it, like it was laughable. Right? <laughs> I think it's too. Well, you can't really com- com- complain about uh, cartoonish things happening in a movie that's based off of a comic book. <laughs> and if you and if you ever needed more more reason to hate Cyclops. Cyclops' big thing is he looks out the window and goes, my money, Magneto's behind this. <laughs> and then Rogue, <laughs> really, 
Gene initially goes, no, no, it's not him. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, way to go there, Cyclops. He's not exactly Batman. <laughs> it's not exactly the world's greatest detective. <laughs> yeah. My money, that one villain that we know is behind this. <laughs> essentially what it is. They've established <laughs> one villain. As... Hey, you remember that guy? <laughs> the one guy? <laughs> That that we fight against, he has to be buying this. Oh, and there he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Cox. What is that? Do you hear that honking? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. So someone in my uh, someone who lives in my building. Their car, their alarm goes off every once in a while, and that's the second time it's gone off tonight. But before, like, last year or something, it would go off at, like, 3 a.m. and then just go, like, constantly for, like, an hour. Oh, my God, that's terrible. Yes. So if you're listening on pod, <laughs> that was that was us. Do not worry. Everything is fine. But anyway, like I, was, yeah. I was trying to say before, I was so rudely interrupted by Carter. Oh, there she is, Kelly Hugh. Lady Deathstrike herself. I remember, like, I knew from the IMDb that she was playing Kelly, like, when she was playing Deathstrike. So when I saw the scene where she was just cracking her knuckles, because, like, Deathstrike's always been one of my, one of my dudes from, or ladies, if you will, from, so just that little, like, fan service shot of her cracking her knuckles and it just making these, like, gross metallic sounds. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, even though they were clearly going with She's not a cyborg in this one, but she's going to be a mutant. But I was like, whatever, yeah. I'll go with it. I, th- that is actually a reference. Like, I didn't – like, I, I watched the show. Um, I didn't read a lot of the comics, but I did a little bit. And one of them, luckily <laughs> enough, one of the few comics that I ever had featured Lady Lady Deathstrike. So when she showed up, I was like, oh, oh, I know her. Oh, my God. I was so excited. <laughs> well, she got into a couple episodes of the uh, animated series, too. I, mean, I think she was only in two. Yeah. And she's in a couple of, uh, like, she was in, uh, um, Marvel did a couple of direct-to-DVD movies. They did a Hulk versus series. Oh, yeah. And one was Hulk versus Wolverine. And in Hulk versus Wolverine, Wolverine gets contracted to try to fight the Hulk. And then the, the Hulk, you know, they end up fighting. But the guys who hired Hulk were, uh, or who hired Wolverine to bring in the Hulk were double-crossing him, right? And then... A uh, bunch of people show up to take Wolverine down. Who was it? Was and Lady Deathstrike was one of them. And I think like Omega Red was there, and Deadpool and Sabretooth, I think. And they were all trying. Yeah, all to... those like really super sick Wolverine villains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brian Cox absolutely owns this film. Like, what a tremendous actor he is. He's oh, great. Right. I mean, playing a completely different version of William Stryker from the comic book. Because like in this version, he's like an old colonel he's he's an old army colonel who's just you know nuts with uh he's like i'm gonna go to war against uh the mutants and stuff like in the comics well yeah. get a little hit of mystique there um in the comics i don't know if they've retconned maybe they retconned striker to be like more like he is in these movies but in the original comic books if i remember correctly he was like a um insane anti-mutant televangelist mm-hmm who was just, you know, like, he would use his influence on TV to get, yeah, you know, like, to get, like, the ultra 
religious people who were afraid, you know, just get them all worked up about the mutants and try to. Yeah, right. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, he was. Well, the best thing is that he, you know, he can do his influence and stuff, but behind the scenes is not super influential. Whereas in this one, like, it's the exact opposite, where he's doing all his influence behind the scenes and he doesn't show yeah. his face at all. And this one, he has, like, a whole freaking, you know, he's got the, you know, got U.S. government, like, secret branches of the U.S. government and stuff behind him. He's a little more like Amanda Waller in this one. Like, uh, Amanda Waller, if you're familiar, is, like, DC's version of. There's Aurora Monroe. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty neat in this one because I mean it's it starts off like and he's kind of almost an amalgamation of characters because it's just like he's just overall the threat of government, and he's so influential and they don't actually go into at all what his power like what his position really is. You just know it's influential enough that he can walk up to anyone and tell them what's what. Yeah, they do mention, like, because I think they refer to him as, like, Colonel Stryker, but, like, I'm not overly familiar with my military rankings, but Colonel's not, like, super high, is it? Like, I mean, it's high, high, but it's not, or, sorry, it's no, high. It, it's, it's, it's not high, high enough not high, that if there's a problem in the president's office that you just immediately walk in and start yeah. telling people what to do. Exactly. Right? <laughs> More of a general that gets to do that sort of thing, right? There's Cyclops, Sultan, Wolverine's game once again. Yeah, always. I still say James Marsden should have a bigger career. Well, he was in a couple of seasons of 30 Rock. That That's probably true. kept him busy for a couple of years. Well, yeah, he's not starving, but like... <laughs> These two guys, like, that's terrible dialogue, I'll say that. Like, that dialogue would never... Like, if you're talking about, like... Like, that dialogue wouldn't pass in, like, a Tarantino movie where he goes, your bike needs gas. Well, then fill it up. <laughs> like, that would, like, <laughs> like, like, that would never be dialogue in a Tarantino movie. Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> nah, maybe I have no idea. <laughs> I think he'd come up with a little something more clever. Brian Cox, big lag of Ulan drinker. Big, big Scotch guy, Brian Cox. I think he, if you YouTube um, Brian Cox, lag of Ulan, I'm pretty sure he does, like, He's in a commercial for Lagavulin that takes place in, uh, that I guess you only see in Europe or on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a little interesting side bit because you and I are both big fans of that particular. Uh, yeah, there, there is a bottle that I'm looking at. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, me too. I'm thinking I might get it out of my globe bar and, uh, in, in, <laughs> honor of, in honor of his performance of this fine, fine movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he, he does. I don't know. Such a nice movie. It, like he almost seems like one of those people that you see in movies where you're like, was this guy just a ringer? <laughs> like he does a really, really good job. Oh, and definitely some other people like know that th it seems like they're playing, like they know that they're in a comic book movie and he just plays it like so well and so legit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're in a comic book movie, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to be Hans Gruber basically. Yeah, just kind of without the wit, but I'm just going to be a really, really good bad guy, and I'm gonna because like he's obviously a classically trained thespian, if you will, and you know just owns this entire film. Oh, this there was are uh, a number of thespians in this movie. <laughs> that's true, technically, right? Not classically trained though, although we're well, staring no, at one right now. Yeah, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. 
both classically trained. Yeah, also true. That was pretty cool. I like that the the thing the Wolverine was just like, ah, I can do stuff. Because like he that was you never saw him do anything like that in the comic books. So I always thought that was kind of a little thing, fun thing that Singer added where he's just like, ah, I'll just horribly scar myself because I know it won't matter. Yeah. In like, <laughs> like seconds. Yeah, this might hurt a little bit, but it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, like if I tried to do that to my hand, like you know, like if you actually tried to put out your scar in your hand, it would it would, you know, scar you for life with Wolverine. I also like the fact that that, uh, that Professor X is like, do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that that cigar needs to be put out. Do it. <laughs> so, while we were uh, busy milk jibbing Brian Cox in the last scene, um, uh, that we kind of skipped over the plot. Um, basically, he went into a Magneto's plastic bubble prison and poured him with this mind control serum and got to tell him everything about uh, Professor Xavier and Cerebro, essentially. So he was using... Why did he have a busted-up cross? <laughs> I always thought that was weird. He's got, like, this weird like rosary that he pray that Nightcrawler has got this weird rosary that he like prays with to the point where his cross is busted up and it doesn't even look like a cross. It looks more like a Y, I guess. Like, uh, I, I did not notice that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's, it's, it's cherished to him. Yeah. He likes his Y. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just to, yeah, show maybe it was my first one and I don't want to replace it for, yeah, I like the, um, like, it, it's, ugh. so much of this, like, you know, in this first act where they're doing the intro stuff, there's uh, certain little things, but, you know, it's like, like, I think of the, the first scene with Magneto in that cage, and then all I can think of is how good the next scene with Magneto in that cage is. Yeah, and they get him out of the cage rather quickly for this movie. I mean, this is a long movie. Like, remember how the last one, the last X-Men movie was like an hour and change, right? I don't even think it was an hour and a half. I was uh, like, I'm pretty sure it was at least an hour and a half. It, like, it, it might have even been longer, but they, like, it was it was actually a pretty decently long movie, but things, they just have to go through so much stuff. Like, they just have to, so like, introduce all those characters before they can actually do anything. So it's like, the actual movie, like, where they're just like, whatever, plot, action sequences, bam, is super short. This sequence is really cool with, Mystique sneaking around the, uh, I don't know, what is this, the senator? <laughs> like <laughs> This is the, the government building. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. I don't think they've established it, what it is, because it's not like the White House or anything, right? So it's essentially a secret, it's essentially a government building, right? The, the one thing that always bugged me about Mystique a little bit is that while she's doing her... Uh, you know, her subterfuge, she would switch back to her original body. Because why would you ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there's so many times when, like, you know, she goes, she, like, gets past the one person, and then she turns all blue and is doing her thing, and then someone walks in on her, and she's like, oh, i got to dramatically switch back into someone else. There's and only like, one reason to do it, and it's because the studio told Brian Singer, hey, we're fucking paying Rebecca Romaine. You use her in some scenes, right? Don't always <laughs> yes, have her change the, That scenes. is literally the the reason why it happens. It's yeah. just... Oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a little, uh, little tease here, because when she goes through the names, 
couple of the names on the list here. Like one of them is Remy LeBeau. There he is right there. She like uh, <laughs> Remy LeBeau does a gambit's uh, oh yeah real name, and she like ever so slightly hovered over it, and like that was just an Easter egg for the nerds. And I remember it ended up just being a big tease to me because I remember in the theaters going <gasps> Remy LeBeau. <laughs> oh, gambit's in this universe. No. <laughs> like that means he's gonna be in it eventually, and he was, and it sucked. But yeah, li literally the only reason for for why, because it, technically it makes absolutely no sense for her to be sitting there as Mystique right now, right? Because like presumably there there's cameras and shit too in that room. Yeah. So yeah, tactically it makes no sense for her to be in the blue makeup. But the like the only reason is like I'm sure some studio head told Brian Singer, you know. We're paying Rebecca Romaine some fucking money to be in this movie, so make sure she's. She put her and we bought all this blue makeup and paint and stuff. Yeah. So like, make sure she's in some scenes where she's. I love I love this shit with the janitor that, like, she has to do jump through so many hoops and break so many codes, and apparently a janitor can also just walk in there. Yeah, that's how she gets. I was like, uh, someone's got to empty this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I really enjoyed this sequence though. Her just sneaking around, and any any scene with Kelly Hugh in it just gets me juiced. My <laughs> goodness. Of course. Pulling a gun out of the desk. It's probably didn't need to, you know, sneak around. Nor like she probably could have just snuck around. She like went out of her way to make. A lot of noise just so she could be like, you don't know that I'm a shapeshifter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I That guy kind of just double takes. I got to tell you, I would have a very different reaction if I saw somebody that looked exactly like me <laughs> walking <laughs> right past me. Like, I'd at least be like, dude, you look exactly like me. Let's get a selfie. <laughs> yeah. And I don't take selfies. But if I see a dude that looks exactly <laughs> like me, I'm going to be like, I'm taking a selfie. God, I remember years ago I saw someone on a subway that looked exactly like my brother. I didn't take a, you know, this was the days before selfie, but I did stare at him the entire time, really creepily. Like <laughs> I almost like stuck my hand. I was like, oh, <laughs> just like pointing. <laughs> this sequence I really liked when I was in the because if you read the comic books and even they they did it in the. Uh, animated series too where they uh established that um nightcrawler is you know deeply religious yeah yeah he's a, he's a german monk basically monk. yeah and they did that in the uh now it makes no sense why he's in this random place and i think he's supposed to be in like boston or something like that right now <laughs> well he ran away he's in europe somewhere i think yeah i guess he did did done run off. Yeah. Uh, but he's I, I I always like the name uh Kurt Kurt Wagner just Kurt because Wagner. it's like it's like super German. Oh god. Yeah. Super German. <laughs> Although of course uh Wagner always makes me think of the the composer uh Wagner who wrote Ride of the Valkyries which is the bum -ba -bum, bum -ba -bum, bum -ba -bum, yeah. Yeah. that whole thing that was classic um, that's also 
like you know kill the rabbit kill the rabbit yeah and, and a lot of times when you ask people about opera uh they will uh think you know the whole thing with whole the opera's not over till the fat lady sings or uh you know it's all it's, it's big people in you know the like the pointy hats like the armor and you know the whole like bugs bunny thing and yeah uh, that's all taken from not only one genre of opera, but one opera, just one. Yeah. And it's one by Wagner and it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's basically the same plot of the Lord of the Rings. Um, but the other interesting thing about Wagner is he was a huge anti-Semite. <laughs> oh my God. Did Wagner do Barber of Seville? No, that was Rossini. Oh, okay. Cause Barber of Seville, right. like that is... Other than, because, um, like, just to stay on the topics, because, you know, there's not really much going on in this scene. Stay on the topic if you fucking do anything. Um, uh, my all-time favorite, like, Looney Tune cartoon is Robin Hood Daffy, which is, you know, f- phenomenal. But uh, my second one is probably when uh, him and uh, Elmer Fudd do the, uh, Bugs and Elmer do the Barber of Seville. Yeah, like, that one's fantastic. When they added like lyrics to those songs and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's classic. Barbara Seville is real, really good. And here so, we are. We're getting. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say this whole thing is now leading up into one of the greatest scenes in comic book movie history. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is all Wolverine here. Like like when you're watching this in the movies, and Wolverine's always having you know, harrowing visions of his origin. Cause they played that same scene in, cause you know how like family guy, whenever they ran out of ideas, cause, and I'll be on the record to say, I hate family guy, but whenever family guy, you know, ran out of ideas, they'd be like, oh, we need to fill like 10 minutes. Let's just have Peter fight the chicken for like 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. The old X-Men animated series any time they could have, like, like any time they needed to fill like a five minute block in an episode, they would always flash back to that scene of Wolverine. You know when when he gets the the adamantium bones again, like with the tank, like with like that really famous scene when when he gets like they put him in that like water tank and attach that thing to his face, and then when he gets the. Uh, Like, oh my god, but like like he gets that like silly I don't know. It's just Wolverine's just like they go back. Do you remember that scene? Like he goes like like Wolverine, like he's in the tank. Yeah. And they they like they're like, you know, begin the adamantium feeding process and stuff like that. <laughs> and they, like and they they that scene in I don't know how exactly how many episodes of the X-Men animated series there were, had to be at least a hundred. I'd say they played that in like at least a dozen of the hundred episodes, like that entire scene. Oh yeah. That's Brian yeah. Singer, like, the guy who just uh, wheeled in professor X there. That's director. Oh, really? Brian, yeah. That's director Brian Singer. You know what's little... nice is, is seeing, uh, yeah. you know, a director make a, uh, a cameo without shoving it down our throats. Yes. Like Quentin Tarantino. Or M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Yeah, or M. Night Shyamalan. There was another cameo in... What was the cameo in Daredevil when we did the Daredevil? Oh, it was uh, Frank Miller. Frank Miller was in a... uh, 
Frank Miller made a cameo appearance in uh, Daredevil. He was just like a dude. He was on camera for like two seconds. It was Bullseye basically fired a pen into his head and then he stole, <laughs> stole his motorbike. <laughs> well, it's pretty funny when some people make, make cameos like, uh, uh, Stephen Colbert was in like the Hobbit movies for like a second. Yeah. And wasn't, uh, Brian Cranston in the Hobbit movie. Like he was, or were people like trying, or I can't remember if it was actually Brian Cranston or a dude that just looked like Brian Cranston. And, like, everybody was trying to figure out if Brian Cranston was in, like, a wide shot of, like, all the armies in the Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could totally see that happen. <laughs> this right here might be the first extremely well-acted scene in the history of comic book movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, not this. Not, not Bobby Drake and <laughs> Wolverine sitting around having a beer. This whole, I'm sorry, Charles. <laughs> yeah, but. But like when they're when they're in the t when they're in the bubble prison. This is a little lame, too. I never fully understood why. I mean, I guess they had to get Wolverine down in the kitchen somehow for the big fight scene, but I never fully understood this dialogue. Where Bobby Drake is like. I really want to be with Rogue. And <laughs> Wolverine's just like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, you half expect Wolverine to go. Like, you half expect Wolverine to go, yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to bang. <laughs> One red <laughs> chick with four eyes there is blocking me. Yeah. Well, like, I love every scene in this movie with where, well, any scene in any of these movies where Professor X gets to talk with uh, Magneto is just oh, God. and like who'd have thunk it? You put real good actors in comic book movies and give them some decent dialogue. <laughs> all of a sudden, you start churning out movies. All of a sudden, it's not yeah. you know. All of a sudden, it's not nice to see you in fucking <laughs> Batman and Robin, right? Like, yeah, like every other movie just was inexcusable after this. Oh my God! And then one of the most famous lines. In comic book movie history, coming up right here. You should have killed me when you had the chance. Oh God, so good. Yeah, it's that's like the best. And then just look at a oh, Cyclops, you punk. Yeah, of course he gets bitch right yeah. away. And like this guy nearly beats him too. This fat guy. God, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even do that him. well against him. <laughs> and I just love this, like Lady Deathstrike just. Well, it is pretty that funny. That was kind of dumb, but like the way she. I'm pretty sure, like, but... like he gets hit with a trank, right? And then you're like, oh, yeah. I guess he's. I think as he, I guess he's a big badass. But no, I'm pretty sure that was just his leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I, this kid right here with the weird like staying up ability. I mean, I'm sure someone on Twitter will correct me if I don't like, but I never remember there being any sort of. Like, comparison to... Like, an actual... In a, yeah, an actual, like, comic book character. Because, like, a lot of these characters that we see, because, like, this, we're about to start one of the best sequences in comic book movie history right here. Yeah, this is... Uh, shot in the neck, and then these guys coming in to... Wolverine hears it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, it's so good. Um, 
But like a lot of the guys you see. Well, like, in, in the first commentary, there's um, Shadow Cat. Yeah, like right here. Yeah, there's 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 Shadow Cat, the like Kitty Pride, yeah. through the phasing through people into walls. How weird would that feel? If someone just phased right through you. Would you even feel it? What do you think? Um. It depends on how her power works. If it's more teleportation or if she moves matter, she probably moves the matter based on how it is. So, yeah, it would probably feel pretty weird. Now, this is great because he, these guys all show up with tranquilizers, right? Yeah. And they're all supposed to be and taking – And that's where he first said Bob right there. And then this one guy goes all idiot and pulls a gun. How many people die because of this one guy? <laughs> and the chick right now who's screaming, that's Siren. Like, that's supposed to be... And in the comic book, Siren is Banshee. Banshee's daughter. And Banshee is, like, oh, yeah. the guy, like, f the yellow and green suit who flies by screaming. And, and he... They use the young version of him. And this is fucking awesome right here. Yeah. Goes berserk and just... Oh, <laughs> God, that's fucking... Now, this is where Wolverine becomes Wolverine. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> oh, God, the sequence is so goddamn good. And, yeah, like, and Banshee made it into the... Uh, a young version of him, anyway, made it into the. I go to stay calm class. and then walks towards a dozen soldiers. <laughs> yeah. God, look at this, and like, look how badass this guy is right here, just stabbing fuckers in their <laughs> chests. Look at these dumbasses. All the armor oh, in the world isn't gonna help. Get them. some Colossus going on here. Yeah, we see. I don't know why they didn't give him the Russian accent though. He's only got one line, but like, oh god, look at that. He may as well have given him the Russian accent. Yeah. <laughs> he only has one line like he says something to God's Colossus and like when he did that too like that was such a fangasm when you first see that there's Berserker Wolverine just slicing throats like look at that not exactly heroic but still awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty heroic I mean he ran like the thing is he's running around with you know blades coming out of his hand but he's running at people with guns except yeah. the thing is is that he thinks that they're all trying to kill people, and so they're shooting tranquilizers at him, which is kind of unfair, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, oh, we're going to trank that guy. Oh, my God, he straight up murdered me. <laughs> but guess what? That's what happens when you piss off Wolverine. Yep. Look at these. They're coming in like cockroaches. These two fuckers. <laughs> Not exactly certain. Well, I guess to establish that he likes Rogue, but, like, yeah, like, he, he has a line. Like, he says something to Wolverine where he goes, like, I can help you. And he's kind of going, like, you know, get in, let's go. But, like, he goes, I can help you. Like, I can help you. And then he says, help them. <laughs> yeah, help them or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know why he could have been, like, I can help you. Or, I don't know, someone were doing, like, you know, an actual Russian accent. Not me doing Arnold Schwarzenegger as Colossus. <laughs> I but, can like, help you. I can help you. <laughs> but, like, oh, my God, that would hurt so much. Just stab that fucker in his butt. <laughs> but, you know, you can get an actual. I don't understand why you couldn't have delivered that line with a Russian accent. Maybe there's a reason they didn't do it. Anna Paquin, some reason by herself. I well, at that point, if you're adding the the Russian accent, it's just kind of fan service. Well, having Colossus there in general was just for fan service because he doesn't fucking show up for the rest of the movie, right? So yeah. it, was, it was pure fan service to begin with. Well, it, it's at least a little bit of a plot thing. I mean, you've got yeah. another, like, so many of these kids 
Like, they just can't really do anything. Yeah. Whereas he actually can, so you've got someone who can actually lead them out to safety, so it's more realistic that they can get away. Yes, that's true. But, like, it was still, like, you know, he got the big hero shot, and where, like, they started shooting at him, and he, you know, armored up and then started throwing guys through walls, right? So Yeah, which is pretty badass, because it's fun. You can see... You know, someone who's basically Superman doing some Superman things, but they yeah. didn't have Superman for the whole movie. And then Wolverine will show up and just murder four people. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is so well done. Like, this is the... F- oh, God, like, like that, that scene, and to think, like, like the scene before that was, you know, Ian McKellen and frickin' Patrick Stewart in the same... And then this is all real good, too. This is where yeah. Brian Cox just shows up and starts chewing the scenery, but in a good way. I think now all the guys have actual guns. <laughs> Most likely. Not that it'll do any good. But <laughs> yeah. It's like when, like, it's like it's, it's essentially the same thing as when nonsense happens with, like, like, like this could easily be Luthor with a bunch of guys with guns and Superman, and it's like, what are those guys with guns going to do, really? <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, um... Uh, what was that Shyamalan, Shyamalan movie? Unbreakable. Yeah. Where the guy goes on the big rant about that there's some villains that attack, you know, the fight with their bodies and other ones that fight with their minds. This is definitely the fight with your mind kind of guy. Oh, yeah, he's so good. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, so now I'm just watching it because of this so much. <laughs> it's kinda, this is a good commentary track right now because so I'm just like, that was actually some some. Okay, see that ice wall that is splitting us away from the movie, so we can actually talk about it. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, don't get sucked in. Oh god, that is so. And the CG on the ice wall actually looked pretty good. Yeah, this is a, a movie that is. It, it's really nice, like going back and watching. Like this isn't an. I, I don't think it's by any stretch of the imagination an old movie, but it's definitely not a recent movie. Um, but it does, you know, it looks really, really good. It's, and I always like that. Like, this feels like one of those movies, like, like okay, Wolverine's Claws, when they do the close-up, not great. That ice exploding, not, not great. Well, just, um, speaking but, of the ice exploding, is it weird that, like, Stryker had a grenade that seemed like it was specifically designed for blowing up a wall of ice? <laughs> like it had three spikes like in spikes in the bottom of it there like that was weird like it doesn't seem safe like if you're keeping that in your army pack like you would trip and that thing would embed in your chest yeah i don't know if that's um standard issue <laughs> a grenade, yeah, retract- a grenade with retractable blades on the bottom yeah it didn't even look retractable because he pulled it out of that dude's like like holster or whatever in his in his gear and <laughs> just looked like it had like it's like this is my ice wall blowing up grenades, right? Yeah. <laughs> it can blow up other things. Maybe it can stick into a door or some sort of swamp wall, but I mean, if you're going to be blowing up a wall, maybe it's going to be something harder that you can't stick blades into, and then at that point maybe a, a, a standard issue roll of duct tape might be better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And you'd probably be able to save some money, but, you know, who knows, bloated, you know, uh, military budget, gone out of control. You can see someone going up to Congress and being like, we need $800 million. Why? 
Because we need blades oh. on the bottom of our grenades. It must be 2003, because we just got a little hit at sync. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. Although, bye, bye, bye is a good tune. I, I, I defy anybody not to start dancing when bye, bye, bye comes on. <laughs> well, first, first you groan. And then, then, oh, I disagree. I don't groan. Like when I hear bye, 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 bye. Not like I groan. When, I groan when I hear other like boy bandy songs from that particular era. But you put bye, bye, bye on, and I'm I'm looking for the dance floor. <laughs> That's a great tune. Although it super dates like, this movie, <laughs> particularly <laughs> lets you know that it was made in 2003. It's one of those dating kind of scenes. Yeah. It was funny is uh, uh, last night I actually watched the movie Mean Girls for the first time. And uh, the only thing that afterwards we were uh, talking about, you know, that you can't really tell that the movie was made 10 years ago, except that uh, everyone wasn't carrying cell phones. Yeah. That's a big thing in this, too, because this is around... This is 2003, right? This is around the time when everybody started carrying cell phones. I'd say like 2004, 2005 is around the time when literally yeah, everybody... When they became really, really like mainstream. Yeah. Like, because I mean, obviously cell phones existed in the 80s. And I remember in the early 90s, my mom's had that like, that Motorola. Like, you know, the, the first, um, you, did you ever see it? Like the first Motorola flip phone where it was like kind of the first flip cell phone and it was just a small black and it flipped up and it had an antenna and all you could do was dial. Like, Oh, Dr. Hank McCoy, another, uh, yeah. Some, some more fan service, more, a little more fan servicey there where, yeah. When you're, you're watching another thing, you freak out and you like elbow the person next to you. Hank McCoy, the beast. I, I know and, that guy. Yeah. And the person beside you is like, dude, I'm trying to watch the movie here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here's Rebecca Romaine, and she didn't have to do eight hours of makeup to do this scene. Yeah, she, been, she must have been excited about this particular scene, right? Like, <laughs> she, she actually gets to show up, like, and be her. Yeah, like, how stoked do you think Rebecca Romaine was when Brian Singer or whoever walked up, whatever producer Brian Singer walked up to her and he said, listen, in this scene, we're going to shoot it one day, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, probably not even a day, probably like, yeah, well, actually probably one day, like, we're going to shoot this one day, easy peasy you don't have to put on the makeup. And she's probably like, fuck yes. <laughs> right? like, no getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> to put makeup on for 10 hours. Yeah. I, uh, if you ever watch the show, um, Farscape? Uh, no, not the original or, well, I guess there's only one original, but no, I want to though. Yeah. It's really good, but there's, there's a character, um, who also is a big blue alien. And she has to wear basically. At least he had clean underwear on. <laughs> and she she has to wear uh, blue makeup the like all over the entire time, just like Mystique. And she actually ended up leaving the show because she ended up having health problems because of the makeup. Oh my god! She's doing this like all day, every day for years. That would suck. Yeah. Well, because you can give yourself real bad like skin cancer type stuff because i remember that i like yeah the, the the makeup she was using had some sort of real nasty uh it was like something that's like shouldn't be toxic at all except if you cover your entire body in it all the time <laughs> 
And then after years, it ended up like she ended up having some real health problems, so she had she had to leave the show. That's Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh man, this is another really good scene. You get another, you get another couple of real good actors in one scene right here. This one, although that's a weird stance by Kelly Hugh. Like nobody, nobody stands like that. Even even if you're in a room that is as confrontational as this, she's like standing like she's ready to punch. This this face. scene is so great because it it really goes like this movie is. If you think about it, is is quite a bit grittier and kind of darker than the first one. The first yes. one is much more comic booky, and they're like, <clears throat> oh, our 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 end of the world thing is we're going to make a bunch of people into a mutant. Like that's that's their end game. It's not even to kill anybody or do anything really, really bad. It's to make people into mutants. And this one, like, you start off, like, you don't know what their end game is yet, but you start off with this fight scene where the soldiers come in and there's none of this, we're knocking people out or, you know, shooting lasers or anything like that. No, it's like Wolverine just goes and fucking kills, like, 20 people. And then you get to this thing and you talk about like why – like you get these really, really great motivations behind this guy. I mean he wants to kill mutants because he has good reason to think that they're horrible. Yeah, because <laughs> – Like his wife – his son basically killed his wife. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, and like not only that but not for nothing – Mutants are fucking dangerous, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they totally are. Like, right? They're not safe things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's akin to the whole thing is it's, it's akin to slavery with the, you know, like when when, when African Americans or Black people come over and you know the segregation and that stuff is all terrible. And I'm glad I don't live in an era where that type of stuff happens. But can you imagine if those particular individuals also had the abilities to punch people through walls? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not a thing, right? This guy, I was never sure, because they named this guy, um, like, he's Stryker's son, right? But they called him Jason. Yeah. So his name would obviously be Jason Stryker. And he said that he, like, his mutant power is to create illusions. So he's sort of like Jason Windegard. Well, he's basically another psychic. Like, I remember looking him up, and he, he was never a, another mutant. Like, he no. was never in the comics or anything like that. He's similar to Jason Windegard, who is the guy in the Hellfire Club who could create illusions. And he used his illusions to, like, um, trick. And they did this in the animated series, too, in the in the Dark Phoenix saga. That was really good. Like, during it, like, um, it kind of followed the comic books closely. Mm-hmm. Where he used his illusions to trick the Dark Phoenix into, you know, basically becoming his wife kind of a thing. And then yeah. the Phoenix eventually was like, wait a minute, you're just an illusionist. And then she, like, punched him in the face. So there's Anna Paquin doing a prequel to her uh, True Blood days. I'm taking her top off. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. This this is very True Blood. Although, if it was True Blood, they'd just be showing her tits and this guy would... Well, when, when she touches him on the shoulder, he would turn around and she'd be straight up naked. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Um, I remember thinking, just going back a, a scene or two there, because like, this is probably the least exciting least watchable sequence in the entire movie. 
Because, I mean, who, honestly, who really gives a bleep about these particular individuals? Like, I mean, we all... I, I do like seeing Iceman getting hurt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this was not a good version of Bobby Drake. It just really wasn't. And this would have knocked him unconscious. Just that kiss would have knocked him unconscious. Yeah. Although that was kind of a cool effect where she, like, <laughs> blew the, blows out the thing. Yeah. Blow, yeah, blows out the ice breath. That was kind of cool. I thought that was a little cute. And here's Wolverine just raiding fridges, just willy nilly. <laughs> the, uh, I remember going back and kind of hating, but it was like, it was, and who does that too? Like, who just opens a dude's fridge and just starts rummaging through and, like, <laughs> cracks it open? Like, Maybe he needs to an work some steam off because he did just murder 20 people. <laughs> I guess that's true. And, like, that's a bit of an overreaction, I think, for Wolverine there. Like, he wouldn't know that was a cat, right? <laughs> what I love about that is that the cat starts looking at it, and then when he retracts the blades, you hear the cat go, <laughs> He wasn't even paying attention. It just, like, slices the cat's tongue half off. <laughs> okay, so... This whole thing. Yeah, this is the worst scene in the entire movie. <laughs> But it does kind of have some reverence of, like, it has the terrible line where she goes like, oh, no, like, this scene is a lot better. Sorry, I thought I thought the, the next scene coming up was the... And I was like, no, 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 this was great. No, th yeah, this scene is great. Sorry, I thought, I thought we were going to head right into the conversation where she goes like, have you tried not being a mutant? That's the worst scene in the entire movie. Oh, my God, yeah. This <laughs> scene, however, fucking phenomenal. And I love the way the guy, like, his screen flickers, and he and he just immediately goes, ah, it's probably nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, way to do your job in this thing where if I don't do my job 100% properly, I will be killed by a guy <laughs> with magic powers. There's too much iron in your blood. Oh, <laughs> the, I was going to say that the scene with Kelly Hugh, I remember I was really... When I first saw it, I, I nerded out a little bit because, like, we found out. Because, like, in the comic books, Lady Deathstrike's not a mutant. She's a, a woman who basically made herself 90% robot so that she could fight right. yeah. and try to kill Wolverine. And in this version, they were like, ah, let's just make her a mutant. Why the hell not? And I remember hating that as a, like, as an alternate. Was it, wasn't Lady Deathstrike, like, an, like she knew him. Like, oh, yeah. They were, like, her or whatever. Yeah, her and Wolverine were... They they were they were fucking in the comics. Was that, I'm sorry. Was that guard? Is that guard in there, Michael Fassbender? Because he kind of looks like him. That is that guard? <laughs> like no. No no the other guy. I doubt it. That wouldn't that be something if it was. <laughs> um yeah in in the comic books like oh my god this sequence is so good where he just starts smashing all of the fucking plastic kit. Yeah that guy did look a little Fassbenderish, doesn't he? Right. He's got the he's got the, the, the finely coiffed hair like Fossbender, but I don't it's I don't that jaw. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's <laughs> It turns out it's it's actually him time traveled. <laughs> um This didn't look too good though, although that was kinda cool where like he's floating on, on the one and then just had the balls like rotating around him. Like that was so cool. Yeah. 
Now this scene right here, this is the worst scene in the entire movie. And I get that it's necessary, but I don't know. Maybe some better dialogue. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, no, th this yeah, whole but... thing is, it's, it's one of those necessary evils because they're like, all right, well, he goes to see his family and now what? Well, obviously it has to go poorly because he has to go, we have to get back to the action. We can't just hang around with the family all the time. So let's make the family, or at least one member of the family, be horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that line where she goes, have you tried just not being a mutant? They, like, that's... Not only is it incredibly bigoted <laughs> and unnecessary, but they put it in every fucking trailer for this movie, too. I remember every trailer for this movie ended with... Every teaser, every trailer... And this is a movie that was highly anticipated. So it was one of those movies where they made like six trailers for it. Yeah, like, of course. So, and like everyone had the line where she goes, have you tried not being a mutant? <laughs> it was just like, oh my God. That line was funny though. When she goes, this is my fault. And then he goes, actually it's his fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty neat though, because as, as kind of like, clunky as the scene is like i feel like there have been people like like the whole have you tried not being a mutant thing yeah. is obviously a reference to people coming out to their parents as being gay right, exactly, right. Yeah. and then they're just like well have you ever tried not, not being, being gay? gay yeah and you know and I, like as ridiculous as it sounds in this movie and everything that's that's totally how some people think yeah. and that, that's that's the importance behind these movies is that it it, it presents this this whole issue of um, generally like segregation in both like you know racial or whatever different kinds of ways where people are just straight up different, and in some ways or another, and some people will find that scary or intimidating or whatever. Yeah, and, and it, it, the thing was with with these with these shows is that it actually <laughs> it. <laughs> It, it it's almost justified, but that's how they set it up is that you, you show that these things where it's like, yeah, so this guy hates mutants because his son was a mutant and then his dad died. And then other people hate mutants for no good reason. But this, the main villain has a reason. Yeah. And they, they earn that scene too, right? Like it, it was kind of sloppy and kind of clunky and the, but you know, they at least earned it. Yeah. This scene's not, much better here are the freaking Nightcrawler Storm having this conversation in the Quinjet. I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, they kind of set it up because these two are establishing a little bit of a... Like, they're establishing a little bit of a relationship here because later on she's going to go, like, I need you to phase through that wall for me towards the end when they go to save, so... Right, and there's the whole, like, I have faith. Yeah. And that, that whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of interesting how many different, like, you've got the whole obvious, uh, like, racial th racial thing going on yeah. with the whole mutants in general. And then with that whole, you, not Trevor tried not being a mutant, that's, that's definitely uh, some sort of reference to, you know, people coming out as being gay. And then you've got the whole uh, religious thing going on. Like, there's a lot of different issues being addressed in a lot of backdrop. 
what is a, just a movie, like a comic book movie. <laughs> but that's something that I always liked about X-Men in general. Yeah, that's why X-Men is such a... Like, when you're a teenager, like, I remember when I was young and a teenager, the X-Men was, like, that was your thing. That was my thing, right? Because you can... Yeah. Because you can get to, uh, you know, because you kind of feel like an outcast and whatnot when you're when you're a teenager and a kid at, at any kind of point. This, I always thought, was a lot of fun. This little standoff with the cops. And... Yeah. It kind of brought up one thing where, and what a douche, you know, just sells his brother out, sells out his flesh and blood. Like, what a load of crap. Um, this was the thing I always wondered in the comic books, and I can't remember if they ever did it, but I remember having a conversation with a, a good friend of ours, uh, Richard, and like, see, Wolverine just gets shot in the head right there. I always wondered, and like, what a terrible move by that cop, right? Like, just yeah. <laughs> you panic, shoot someone in the forehead. <laughs> like, hey, based on today's news, that guy's up for a promotion. Oh, right yeah, that's this. true. George, he was George Zimmerman before George Zimmerman here, right? Like, uh, was, you know, any of those, if, if he worked in Baltimore, it's just like, oh, yeah, he's gonna get a promotion. <laughs> and like, he super shot Wolverine in the head for like retracting his claws. And he doesn't super shoot this kid when he goes for his lighter. And then, yeah. and, and and monologues. then he pulls a fireball and he's just like, nah, this, yeah. this one I'm gonna hesitate on. And like, oh, those cops were like, look how slow these cops are to react. Like, like, these cops are still yet to fire a shot back, and he's, like, launched five fireballs at them. Although that yeah. was a really cool sequence of that, just, like, of him just blowing these cars up. Can you imagine if this was happening, like, across your street in, like, suburbia? <laughs> like, some dude just shooting fireballs at him. As you say that, all I can think of is, is the little kid in um, in The Incredibles when he watches it, the... <laughs> The one guy doing that all this stuff, he's like, totally that was wicked. totally wicked! I love that little kid. <laughs> you just see some guy going by in a trike being like, wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now I really wanted, when they cut the fire away, to be like, not even that, but just like a lemonade stand or something. <laughs> just like some backdrop where people are just like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah, I, could, I was gonna say I can remember having an argument with our good with our good friend uh, Rich Callflesh, who I hope to get on this uh, podcast eventually. Probably do some Star Wars stuff with him. Um, I remember getting into an argument with him in like grade ten cafeteria about if Wolverine got shot in the head, whether or not he would live or not. <laughs> like, he got shot in the forehead. Richard was like. Well, if he gets shot in the eye socket, it's going to go right through it. Like, that was a conversation we had. It's like 12-year-olds or 13-year-olds or something, right? And I was like, yeah. well, yeah, but if he gets shot in the eye socket, right? <laughs> like, well, who knows? Yeah. Bobby Drake takes one black look at the family that him, neither him nor us will ever see again. <laughs> like, like the hero shot in the window. And I love the way the mother is like hugging him and saying like, thank you, younger son, for getting rid of my older son forever. <laughs> yeah. It's, like they know what he did. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, that's okay. And I love the way, I know Wolverine's a guy who's, you know, at this point he's like close to a hundred years old. And he's a dude who's seen some shit. 
But he's not at all curious about the giant blue guy sitting in the chair across from him. He just walks in and just goes, who's this guy? <laughs> like, oh, this scene is so weirdly powerful. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, oh, God, this is... Where he's just standing. Yeah, and he's he has got like, the single tear. Yeah, he, he was rolling one tear. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend this guy is Jason Wendigard. I don't know why. I don't know if that's the conclusion that other uber nerds like myself kind of drew on the internet, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to draw that conclusion that he's supposed to be Jason Wendergaard, and they just kind of slid him into the trigger. Well, this is kind of cool where they gave the... Cerebro a, a person? <laughs> yeah, and, well... And she's got the eye, the different colored eyes, though, this... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...of the, the same as the dude, where he's got, like, one green and one blue eye. And you get the close-up hero shot of her, so you know it's an illusion. She's got the different uh, colored eyes. I was thinking yeah. pretty cool. I always wondered if they CG'd that little girl's eyes, or if they, like, forced this little eight-year-old girl to put in, like, different colored lenses. <laughs> or they held auditions that only people with radically different colored eyes may apply. <laughs> we'll just CG around you, don't worry about it. Now, this scene I actually like because it's yes, the military use their powers a like, little bit. Well, no, I, I like I actually like how the military respond to this because seriously. Uh, it's a freaking what they were flying is a gigantic spy jet. Like imagine you're actually like military aircraft, like just a person, and they're like you're like uh, I see a giant bomber flying through the air that is not permitted to be here. Like you've got to shoot that down. <laughs> like pe normal people are not allowed to have military jets. That's just not a thing. <laughs> not only that, but like they're they're hovering suspiciously near a place where a dozen police officers were just burned alive. Yeah, right. right. So <laughs> that wouldn't exactly be like, like they're like, boy, that's not suspicious at all. I mean, come on, rogue for God's sakes, get your seatbelt on. Now the uh, their actual uh, aircraft is obviously based off of I can't remember what the actual type of craft is, but it's 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 based off of an actual military spy spy plane. Um, that I remember at the time that it was built, it was the fastest moving aircraft ever, and it was so fast that they didn't really care about actually. It was like a stealth plane. Like it was used for reconnaissance, but they didn't actually care about making it, you know, particularly stealthy because it was so fast that nothing could hit it. So they would fly it over bases and people would be like, all right, we're going to shoot at that. And it's gone. <laughs> this is and this is what did they do? You remember what they called this plane in the animated series and in the comics? Um, it was something bird, wasn't it? I feel like it had bird in the title. I can't remember off the top of my dome piece. The yeah, like Skybird or something. Yeah, like they call that. it like the Skybird or something. In this, they call it like the Quinjet or something to that. I, I seem to remember it was different enough that when it, when they said what the plane was called, I think I was complained. 
the Blackbird. It's called the Blackbird in in the uh, in the comics and in the in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. They never uh, I, they never called it that. And I don't understand why. Oh, see, this is where we get our first hint of uh, our first hit of. Well, I Phoenix. guess technically our second hit of the Phoenix, but because. But when she got the red eyes there, the close up that was another like fan servicey moment where we were like, "Oh my gosh, she's gonna be the Phoenix in X 3 and then yeah. we were horribly fucked by Brett Ratner. <laughs> Not oh yeah, I got it. It, it is it is actually. This a- is, sorry, I gotta interrupt here because this is just an awesome sequence right here where they get like that is fucking Nightcrawler right there. Like that's awesome. Nightcrawler doing shit like that, saving people. Oh yeah. Not flying, but like teleporting like a beast. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was gonna say the blackbird. The the blackbird is the plane that I was thinking of. Oh, that's it, the actual title of it. Yeah, it, it's as a blackbird. It it was built in the sixties. Oh yeah. And it was retired in nineteen ninety eight, but it it's just if you look up just the blackbird, the actual plane, it's legit. That's just what they're flying. Now this bit, this is a. If you want to point it, call it out, I guess it's not really a plot hole, but physics hole. <laughs> no, it's not a physics hole, but like it's just like like these two are here, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> like they're just there all of a sudden, all of a sudden. And like, not only that, he d- he didn't just stop their crash, but he he was having to be like they were gonna crash into him. Yeah, and like I, I mean. <laughs> Like was were Magneto and Mystique just like like so presume we, we are to assume at this point that Magneto and Mystique, you know, after he got out, he was like, "Thank you, Mystique, for helping engineering my skill." Like he knew where to meet her, right? To go, and they're like, "Now we got to go find the X Men. How do we do that? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> like, Let's just wander around 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 a random forest." And hope that like their jet <laughs> is crashing at that exact moment. <laughs> no, you know what they did. This is this is what I imagine is that they uh, they tried for a while actual things. You know, googling, looking up, checking the newspapers or whatever, and got nothing. They get frustrated and they decide to go camping. So like, you know what we've never done before? Actually, taking some time off. You know, just the two of us in a while. Like, I've been so in a plastic prison. Let's light a fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know where I've been? I've been in a freaking plastic basement for years now. Let's like, go to some place with some fresh air. Open yeah. space. Like, yeah, he's just going out, enjoying the outdoors. And all of a sudden you hear some explosions. The weather starts turning real shitty. Like, all of a sudden. You know, he gets all cranky because he checked the weather report. It wasn't supposed to rain, and now you've got tornadoes coming down. And then all of a sudden he realizes a plane. And maybe, somehow, he recognizes that plane as being the X-Men. And then, luckily, it gets shot down. (laughs) They do have a suspicious amount of camping gear ready to go. So, like... (laughs) I tell you, they were on a trip all Yeah, you may... Like, you're... you're, you're, (laughs) They were just out on a camping trip getting some fresh air. Like, I like, swear, like, he's got a bag of s'mores. Like, yeah, they, there's some validity really to that. that. Do they really keep that many tents on the Blackbird? No, uh, yeah, exactly, right? Like, there's no way they just, I don't even think, like, why would you keep one tent on the Blackbird? 
<laughs> it's like if you crash, you're not going to be like, glad we have these tents that we can sleep in them now, right? Like, you're going to be like, holy fuck, we're dead because we crashed our plane. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so the plane crashed and exploded. And the only thing that survived, luckily, was this one tent. Oh, or maybe man. maybe they store, like, 20 tents just in case, like, half of them get destroyed. They still have enough tents for the rest of the people. Also, all the people that they found. This is a weird scene. It really is. Like, it's it's quite the... It really is quite, like, like if you're if you're poking holes in this movie, the fact that... <laughs> Magneto and his mystique are just thrown on top of a random hill and they just happen to be like, oh, we're here now and <laughs> we're Hello. Lots, right? It's everything you wish Game of Thrones would do, basically, where someone just happens to be there and then we get yeah. on with the plot line. We get on with the plot, right? Oh man, that's just <laughs> I've never even thought about it that much, but how terrible it is. Now they're thinking about it. Why were they there? There's no reason. <laughs> oh man I, I just think of <laughs> you know what I'm I'm going with my I'm going with my theory I, like honestly like that that you put more thought into it than the guys writing the script did like I, I have to imagine <laughs> that that was some sort of a conversation at some time where they were like no one's gonna buy this why are they there just, and they were just like fuck it just go with it the rest of the movie is so good <laughs> No, no one will ever notice. Yeah. How long did it take? 12 years? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure, though, no, definitely other people have noticed, because I noticed that when early when I watched the uh, the movie a couple more times after it came out on DVD, right? And then I was like, wait a minute, they were just standing there in the middle of nowhere, and, like, the plane happened to be like... <laughs> Oh. But yeah, and it's just like, but, but wait a minute, but why? <laughs> like, and it, it's so funny because, like, even if you go back even further, it's like it's not like they could have been like waiting for like a trap for them to fly by because the only reason they were going there is because Wolverine called them randomly. Yeah, that line's a bunch of horseshit from uh, Jean Grey, where she goes. You know, girls flirt with the bad guy, Logan. They don't take him home. Oh, yeah. They marry the good guy, and it's like, ah, there's a ton of evidence that would suggest that that's not true. This yeah. scene, oh my god, when these two were sitting there, I remember, like, like elbowing whoever was next to me, going like, that's his mom! You yeah. don't even know! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's a reason you're both blue! Yes, a very specific reason! <laughs> Never touched on it in these movies they did, but I just... Remember. Okay, here, here's the thing about the tents. They have enough tents... That and, like, pump-up tents, too! They have his... That Wolverine not only has his own tent, but his tent is big enough for, like, eight people. They have, like, six tents. Yeah, these are luxurious tents, and they just have them. Like, I've, I've stayed in a lot of tents before, and that tent is made for eight people. Easily. I, even I was never fooled by this scene the first time I saw it. I was like, that's mystique. Like I don't I don't think anybody was fooled in during this scene when I would watch this in the theaters. Like I'm fairly certain like when Femi Jansen like merged into Wolverine's tent and started making it out with him, like literally everybody in the theater was like, That's mystique. Like, like nobody fell for it. And it's weird. She's like, 
then she you know he recognizes her from the stab wounds he gave her in the first one you know the mystique's real power is immediate boner killer I, boner killer are you are you insane like no no i mean not turning into her blue self being able to yeah. like turn into every woman that maybe he's ever wanted to have sex with and then turning into like an old dude yeah <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That that sounds like boner killer to me. Like just suppose, like right? yeah. he like he's getting all confused and hot and everything, and then all of a sudden, oh bam! It's like oh, I don't want to have sex with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that that's again they they did the thing where they like, and I complained about this in the first one. That like the, this entire movie predicated, not predicated, but they, like they they went along with this weird notion that no man would be attracted to mystique in her blue form so like wolverine like like she transformed into mystique and wolverine was like get off me i'm in love with gene gray <laughs> and like and where i where i would have been like oh no 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 you stay there <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you you just keep doing what you're doing yeah you, it's just they they parodied that scene or sorry i was gonna say they parodied that scene the the tent scene in oh god what a shitty movie that was um i think it was called epic movie it was one of those really bad you remember oh in like, yeah one of those yeah things. you remember in like the the late aughts like i think around like oh five oh six or it was from like oh six to like oh nine where like every three months there was a new yeah they're they're trying to cash in on the uh the success of scary movie and yeah. that kind of thing but never, and they were like the the easiest jokes in the world to make and stuff too, right? Like oh yeah, the the script was written in about like an afternoon. Yeah, and yeah. and then they just threw some like no name actors. They're just like, all right, what do you look like? That's fine. Can you read? Do you speak English? <laughs> yeah, and they parodied that tense scene, but like Car- Carmen Electra, I think was was. Mystique and was in the blue. Yeah, that I was gonna say. Stuff. Then they grab someone random who's like not a successful. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like a, a C level you know, celebrities were. were yeah, stuff. Carmen Electra, someone who was really good in the '90s but hasn't been doing anything yeah. recently or something like that. And this is really creepy. Here, <laughs> he's just sitting there watching these children like. <laughs> Like it's, he's, yes. he's essentially like, hey, let's yes. check on the free range. That electricity. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> it's like Skinner in that one episode. Yeah, we'll just check on the free range children. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You know, I really want to know is okay. So they do this where projection. they got these super schematics from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not only not not only where they got the schematics from, where you know somehow they got the schematics, but have never been there, and then put them and, in the 3D hollow <laughs> imager. Like, what technology is it that when someone walks through it, it moves like sand? <laughs> yeah, and why? What 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 is what is the uh, what is the purpose of that? I don't know. And it is dumb to say nitpicky things like, hey, they've got 3D holograms in this. Like, how could they possibly have 3D holograms in this world where this blue woman is about to change? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's dumb to draw conclusions like that, but fuck, you gotta have a little logic, right? Even if it is a dumb kind. Okay, now this scene is great. 
Oh, and yeah, she starts whooping all their asses. <laughs> and, uh, the best part, like, <laughs> spoiler, is at the end when she slides through the door and gives them all the finger. Yeah, although I remember... And the first time I saw it, I hated that because I was like, Mystique would never do that. She's a little too classy for petty stuff, like just flipping guys off. But, I, you know, looking back on it over the years, I'm just like, ah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, she just spanks them. <laughs> and it's like, hey, guess what? Also, I have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool that, like, Stryker figures out right away that it's not Wolverine, but, like, at the same time, it's like, how? I mean, I guess he's like Batman, where he just knows, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing, is that he's he's someone, he, he's a, a supervillain who is able to fight, bam, is able to fight people with his mind. Like, yeah, he's super smart, and he knows... He really is. He's like Luthor in this one. Like, he's very much like Luthor, where he's like a guy with no superpowers, but he's really smart tactically. And and yeah, he's just he's really smart tactically and scientifically, although not so much scientifically him specifically. But, you know, he has the resources to do it. This is awesome. Just Mystique, just letting... Just, and like they unload on their own dudes. <laughs> she <flipped Yeah>. <laughs> fucking morons. <laughs> well, it's one of the classic, like, you know, pile. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. Like Brian Cox is essentially Luthor in this one. He's Luthor if he was in the military. This is a good time. <laughs> she just waves out. Fuck Brian. And like the fact that was Brian Cox doing that too. God, the man has got range. Yeah. <laughs> like, range. Oh my God, Mystique's so good in this. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. He's just like, somebody shoot this camera. I'm so petty right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shoot my own cameras. I'm so petty. <laughs> I'm so angry. Just, just shoot everything that will be shot. <laughs> Can you break a thing? Do it. <laughs> The one thing that, I don't know, I felt like Storm has basically been a nothing character in they basically... Never, they never the, gave like, her these a main... Movies. Like, she's just been kind of a nothing character, and then her abilities just seem to show up in such a silly way. Especially considering like, her, she has the most godlike powers of... Yeah, exactly. Anyone in the X-Men, like super god, and they're like, oh my god, what are we going to do? And then, oh, maybe this person who's sitting around will do something and save us. And But it always, they they always manifest in the same way, and they're, like, never surprising. Like, it's always prefaced by the, you know, these clouds and thunderclaps and all that stuff. It's like, why doesn't she just shoot someone with lightning? (laughs) Yeah. And just, yeah, yeah, she never got her own kind of plot in any of these, which to me always kind of pissed me off. Because, like, to me, I think Storm is the most. Well, she's a super neat character. She's the best female character, I think, that Marvel has. Yeah, and she's got some really, really great history and all that. And yeah. then she's just, like, they, they do nothing in introducing her as a person. No. 
like she's got her, you know, her questions as she asks about, you know, the whole religion. But every time that she shows up, I almost want to say, like, why? Yeah. And like, like Halle Berry keeps slipping in and out of the African accent throughout all three movies. Like she certainly wasn't great at it. And they never really give you any kind of she's the only one they don't give. Well, I guess that's not true, but I mean, they don't give her any kind of background or anything in these movies, which I'm sort of fine with, but I don't know, she's just such a powerful female character and like one of my personal favorites in the X-Men and they, you know, her most famous line in all these movies is, you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? <laughs> and it's, which is, <laughs> this is brutal. one of the word, probably the worst comic book, you know, like if you're going to put together the, the worst, like lines in all comic book movies of all time, that one's on the list, right? Like, well, here's the thing. Um, okay, so if you made someone watch X Men One and X Men Two, and they hadn't seen the show at all, or read any of the comics, and then asked them to describe Storm's character, it would yeah. be convenient. She can make storms and lightning. Yeah. But nothing about her actual, like, character, right? Like, even, they might even, you you would be able to go as deep as that she has, um, that she's not a religious person. Yeah. Um, that I guess she's, you know, let's just say she's going as far as she's an atheist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is pretty ironic because she's basically a god. Um, Yes. But nothing about her actual, like, she doesn't interact with any other characters. She's just kind of there, doesn't really lead things. She's just. Yeah, she's sort of much a device. Like, she is almost, she is about, she has the character development of an actual cloud. (laughs) Yeah, like, well put. Like, I mean, it's just. I mean, she was still pretty cool in these movies, but just really underutilizing a character. And I think a lot of it... I yeah, think underutilize is, is yeah. really the term to do it. Like, I mean, they can't focus on everyone, and they've obviously made their priorities, but I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think Sigur does it for the... Probably does it for the same reason Joss Whedon doesn't relieve Thor in the... Avengers movies like if you rewatch those movies like Thor is barely in it especially in Avengers 2 um because Thor's so goddamn powerful right like you can't you've got to find ways to not have him there right otherwise it's like why this situation won't be dire right because <laughs> Thor's like, there oh my god this giant metallic man showed up yeah how did we ever defeat him I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, maybe the magic god who with a, you know, maybe the god from a different planet with a magic hammer and, like, lightning bolt that he can shoot shoot out of his ass, right? Maybe that guy will take him down. Yeah. But it's, and it's the same, same reason with this, where it's like, we'll just kind of use Storm on the periphery, because if we put Storm in the forefront, then everybody will just be like, why doesn't Storm just, you know, kill everybody with her godlike powers? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, even that, like, with, with what she does, like, you, you, 
it's one of those things where you've got to really, really delve oh, yeah, deep into effect. what what is her ability actually, right? Yeah. And you know, you think about being able to adjust the weather and move over things. It's like, can you not just like, I don't know, use up all the oxygen in a room? I would assume she would. It's like when we were talking about Kitty Pride earlier, the chick who can phase through walls. I've always wondered, like, one of the things I've always wanted to see somebody do with the um, the phasing powers. Like, if I always wanted to see a bad guy with the phasing powers and have a bad guy do something, like, walk up to a dude and, like, like just casually walk through a dude. Like, because earlier we watched Kitty Pride walk through a dude. And then, like, but, like, what if Kitty Pride walked through a dude and, like, while she was walking through a dude, removed his heart from his body? Yeah, right. And it was so just like, when she partially. walked out the other side, she was just like holding the, the the guy's heart in his body and then just like, or like holding his heart in her hand and then just like dropped it and kept walking or something like that. Yeah, because obviously she's able to physically interact with things, right? Yeah. So there has to be, you know, halfway through the other. And so at, at that point, the training is, can you uh, interact? Well, okay. No, we already know this. I say that clearly the thing is, is to be able to have not your whole body phasing at the same time and only parts of it, because then yeah. you can phase part, you know, phase part of the way in and then solidify and then do something terrible like grab someone's heart and just like rip it out. Um, but obviously she can already do that because she can run and phase at the same time. So obviously the bottom of her feet can still touch things, right? Yeah. Um, I remember actually thinking about this way too much back when, uh, Heroes was on TV. Oh God, what a terrible show. Yeah. Oh God, it was awful. First season, really good. Well, the uh, way, well, except, except for, for the, the last ending. episode. Yeah. Except for the last episode. <laughs> the way and, Heroes and, works is it, the first season has 22 episodes, or 24 episodes. I think you watch the first 22 and then you pretend like that guy who turned into a nuclear bomb actually blew up the planet and then the show was over <laughs> that would be a much better end yeah than what actually happened and then everything else is just like just horribly downhill but, I mean, they're bringing that show back they're they're no. doing they're rebooting it it's like nbc's gonna reboot it they're calling it no. like heroes reborn and they're bringing it back oh <laughs> why yeah um masioka's already signed he's gonna be playing hero again oh yeah. i don't know oh, well, brutal there's a chance that just you know, falls apart in production or whatnot, but yeah, that seems very likely. But, um, yeah. but anyway, what I was saying is that with that one, I always imagined there being mutants with like legit bad abilities. Yeah. Like, let's say like, okay, the, the, you know, whatever Mary Sue's brother, the one who could fly. Um, let's say like his ability is he can fly. Right. So apparently, if you think about what the actual physics is behind that, apparently all of his body will, he can move it in one direction or another. Well, let's say you've got someone else who can fly, but all they can do is move like, like they can only apply their magical mutant force to like their legs or something. So if they fly, then they'll just break their legs. Jeez. That'd be an interesting take. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, I've got the I've got a force ability, but it just doesn't quite work, and so I just break my legs when I try to fly, or you know something like that, right? Like it, it or it's like you're wearing you know 
jetpacks on your feet. Yeah. And not just have like Superman magical levitation thing. Um, you know, and stuff like that. We're like half abilities. Yeah, um, and they really painted themselves into a and like if there's if if you know me, like heroes, the reason it sucked way too much time travel. And if there's one thing I hate in all of you know, comics and storytelling and movies and medium, I really not a time travel guy. I mean, I like it a little bit. Like if you want to do it once where you go back and change one thing and then everything gets fucked up or something and you want to go back and, and you're like, we got to go back and fix it. Like I'm okay with that. But like heroes was literally like, let's have 19 different time travel plot lines and, and whatnot. Well, the thing is they, they blew their load like right off the bat with that. Yeah. And they started off the time travel thing and which is, which is fine. Like they started it off fine how they do it. Right. Cause they have a mutant they can see in the past and he sees something terrible and then they try to fix it. Um, Whereas, like, later on, it got really ridiculous. Um, and I did like the idea of what they had later, which was, um, who was the villain at one point that was this guy, and he was a villain because he'd been alive for so long? Yeah, and that was really terrible. I don't want to get into that. It was so yeah. bad. He was essentially Wolverine and he lived for hundreds of years, but, and he held a grudge against hero because like 200 years ago, hero stole his girl, like time yeah, travel stole his girl. And that it's like, was brutal. That it's was like, brutal. dude, you had 200 years to get over it. <laughs> like literally you know, it, 200 years. That, okay. So that, that was horrible. Now that you remind me, but yeah. okay. What I'm remembering was what I assumed like when he started off. Sorry, instead of talking, I got to interrupt Luke Park because instead oh, yeah. of talking about heroes, we should be talking about this fucking scene. Because oh, like, yeah. I remember when Lady Deathstrike, who's one of my favorite claw, like who's one of my favorite characters, when she brought out the fingernail claws and it was Kelly Hugh, like, I got to say, my dick got a little hard. It was so, <laughs> and like, look at and these two are flying around stabbing the shit out of each other and like the entire yeah. time i was i was kind of waiting for the whole like is she a robot thing going on and this is really cool with like the neck crack and the knee oh and yeah then, and this, like these two are actually, working each other yeah th this scene perfectly encapsulates what i was talking about before yeah. with how brutal this movie is and like how much more gritty it is than the yeah. other like the other X-Men movie. Like, and there it, are no less than 10 stabs in this fight. Like the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Like, it's just like, no, these people are just going to stab the shit out of each other for like a while. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Hu was so awesome, she didn't even have a line in this goddamn movie. <laughs> they couldn't just... toss her one line. Because the entire time, because like, these two have such history, and then like, and, like, this is a classic matchup of, like, Lady Deathstrike versus Wolverine. And, like, we're getting, like, this is so awesome. It's too bad that we didn't have any of the, like, like, look at that. When she just, like, quick stabs him, like, nine times. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck, this scene is awesome. Like, the most brutal is when she pins him, like, before. Yeah. She pins him down and just, like, stabs him, like, Right here, yeah. And she's just going and to town. Okay. And you get yeah. the drops of blood. Oh, God. Fuck, that was awesome. Everything about that scene was awesome. Oh, God. Everything about that, like... Is that the best fight scene in 
the history of comic book movies. I can't uh, think of anything off the top. I'm sure that there might be something better. I just can't think of it right now off the top of my dome piece. Uh, there must be something better, but that it, it's definitely the most brutal one because there's nothing else where people can freely just get stabbed like that and actually. Yeah. Um, and the the funny thing is that it's basically a martial arts thing where people are smacking each other around. And there she is back, rises like Jason Voorhees from the water. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's it's the first time where like the director can go, okay, I can have these two stab each other constantly, and based on the powers they've been given, it won't actually matter, right? Like, yeah. You can't have Batman getting like constantly stabbed. <laughs> like as awesome as Batman is, you can't have like Batman fighting Rachel Ghoul and like Rachel Ghoul stabbing him. Bring around a sword and just stabbing people. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, Although <laughs> it does happen. Breaker stab. <laughs> yeah, it does happen in the comic books from time to time where Batman like like Batman will fight Rachel Ghoul with a sword, and anytime Batman holds a sword, you think to yourself. Not only does he look awesome holding a sword, but why does he not always have a sword? Yeah. This is actually a pretty insane plan when you think about it, that they're basically, like, his plan is to essentially have Professor X mind rape all of the mutants on planet Earth. This sequence I always thought was really cool, where uh, Magneto doesn't even have to walk around the corner and he just slips all of the pins out of their grenades. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And they're it. thinking, oh, God, no, these are my ice blowing up grenades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are the grenades I used to blow up giant walls of ice. They're not meant for use like this. The pin came out and the blades didn't come out. That's, that's a plus. <laughs> oh, man. I remember, like, Trying to convince people that Kelly Hu wasn't dead. I'm like, she's well, they gave her Wolverine's power. She could still be alive. Because <laughs> like, I wanted no. her to come back so no, badly. Because I fucking she, love Lady Deathstrike. She dead. It's like, she, no. She's so dead. She gone. <laughs> right. Oh, man. These two, I got to tell you, as much as I love James Marsden, I never felt like. They had. Did you feel like him and Fami Jensen had any chemistry? Um, you know, not like the thing is, is that it, it, it's not so much that they they didn't have that much chemistry, but it's that any chemistry they had is completely overshadowed by the chemistry of other actors in the movie, yeah. like for instance, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Like you're you're looking at this and you're you're comparing it to other like just really really baller like really supremely baller uh, performances and and on and ensembles um, and just when you like when you see you know Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart or even other ones like just Wolverine and like anyone <laughs> it's just way better than you know, than the young people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I never really felt like, like in the comics, they are in, in the comics, obviously it was well established and they established it really well in the, um, animated series, even though not my favorite, like not my favorite pairing, Jean Grey and, uh, Cyclops of all time, mostly because Cyclops is one of the least likable characters in all of 
yeah comic books quite frankly <laughs> but in this one they never really gave like I don't even like Marsden and Jansen don't even have like a lot of scenes together quite frankly <laughs> where it's like just the two of them other than well, so they don't, it, they don't yeah. really build the relationship they just kind of tell you it's there well because the thing is, is that uh, like Cyclops is a pretty two-dimensional character and they pre present him as such, which is accurate, and they get a, a, an actor that will present him accurately as such. And if you try to build some sort of a thing of why would she, then it might not be super, I don't know, um, you know, you, you have to present it in the way that they're already dating so that it's, or already together so that people can believe it. <laughs> Like, if you have it, like, where, say, him and Wolverine are coming out on equal grounds, then maybe, you know, maybe people are going to be like, yeah, why don't I go with Hugh Jackman? This is, like, this I always thought was really good, where Magneto, because, like, he, Magneto would actually do this, and they, you know, that like, this was comic book Magneto, where he teams up with the, uh, Oh, I'll give it up for the ass shot on uh, Rebecca Romain there. <laughs> but, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but like Magneto would absolutely do this, right? Like he he would team up with the X Men to fight them, but at the last second he would, you know, betray them for his own agenda, right? Like and now he's he's flipped it. Now he's gonna have Professor X mind fuck all the humans. Classic comic book villain. Yeah, it was it was really good and it's corny and like call it call it a trope if you will, but you know, it's, it's what the characters would do in, in, in like the characters that have been established for, for decades would do right. Oh, call them yeah. So awesome. This, this is one thing that I like about X-Men in general is that like something that really, really takes me out of any movie or TV show or something like that is if I can't understand the motives behind a villain's actions, like, a good villain you can relate to. Yeah. Or and, and even if you can't, like, relate to them, um, like, that that's the best kind of villain where you can actually relate to. But uh, a good villain, you can at least understand them a little bit mm -hmm. and maybe not side with them and be like, no, this is not what I would do, obviously. But something like, yeah, okay, I can see where you're coming from. And Magneto is, the like, a great example of that. Like... He, like, when you know his actual history and what yeah. he's seen before. The fact that he's a Holocaust survivor who essentially come, becomes Hitler, right? Like, yeah. Like, he is going to commit horrible genocide, but he has reason for it. Like, he has an actual reason to think that this is the right thing to do, which makes him such a good villain. Because not only is it, like, can you kind of see, okay, yeah, I can see a reason behind that, but it's like... It's so terrifying because then you then you can see uh, why he's so motivated towards it, like why he pushes for this. Um, like there's other villains where you're just like, God, why are you doing that? Like, why are you trying so hard to do this thing? And for Magneto, you're like, yeah, all right. Like, we just got this. <laughs> you know what he's going to do. <laughs>
And you know why. This movie is a damn sight difference from when we did the Daredevil commentary and the bad guy, like our hero, didn't even meet our villain until like an hour and a half into the film. Like, (laughs) fuck. What, like, just like watching this movie and then that's supposed to be Jubilee, I believe. Um, Like, it's just a damn sight different from, like, like, I swear to God, like, that Daredevil movie was so piss poor because, like, the villain doesn't even have... The villain is literally just like, I'm the kingpin of crime, and he never meets Daredevil. <laughs> like, him and Daredevil don't even meet until the last scene in the movie. <laughs> it's like... And they didn't earn it or establish it. It's, it's so bad. And then this movie's like, hey, what if we cast a really good actor to play a bad guy? <laughs> right? And that's the thing about these comic book movies is a lot of the time you got to put the heavy lifting on the bad guy, right? Like, I mean, you think about like the, the comic book movies that succeeded before this were like the 1989 Batman, even though it's like kind of a tough watch by today's standards, but like that movie did well because that, you know, fucking Jack Nicholson is the Joker, right? Like you got to put a lot of these comic book movies on the bad guys. And I mean, sometimes you don't. Like, in the X-Men movies, you kind of don't, even though they did in this one with Brian Cox. But the X-Men movies, you don't, because, like, the, the X-Men as a group are so compelling that you can do it. And, like, in Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan the Accuser essentially, like, had no background, right? <laughs> he was a guy who wanted to blow up a planet, and then you only cared because it's like, hey, the Guardians of the Galaxy are, are so much fun to watch in this movie version that we created for them, right? Yeah. So yeah, well, we don't with have Guardians of the Galaxy, guy. it's like Ronan. Ronan is age is your t- stereotypical genocidal maniac, and we're just not going to put the focus on him. Nobody cares about the villain. Exactly. Whatever. He's he's fine. Let's just focus on the heroes. Yeah, the heroes luckily, will be so compelling. And yeah, the hilarious. heroes are so good. It's so compelling. Yeah. That who cares about the villain? We're we're just going to pay attention to these guys. <laughs> Exactly, right? And then, like, there's a bad guy, he's coming, but, you know, it's like, don't worry about him. I mean, we're having fun, and they'll eventually beat this one-dimensional. He's a, he wasn't even two-dimensional, Ronan the Accuser. He was a one-dimensional bad guy. <laughs> yeah. He was, I'm a bad guy, and I'm going to do bad guy things. And it was like, all right. <laughs> he, was so, he was so one-dimensional that he was literally a color. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a blue. He was blue. But... <laughs> he was just a blue guy. <laughs> Oh, man. they couldn't even like it was blue and black. Yeah, that is that is the depth of his character was that he had blue yeah. and black. Do you think John Stamos because at the time because they're not together anymore, but they were at the time of this movie. Do you think John Stamos was ever like Rebecca? Leave leave the makeup on or something like that. <laughs> like, I hope he did. I hope Stamos did that. Me personally. This always this sequence I always thought looked kinda weird. I always thought that little girl that is Cerebro, that is the projection. Yeah. I was always not entirely convinced that that was a girl or boy or whatever. And then everyone else is all like, oh hello, little girl and i'm like "Mm." (laughs) yeah 
not not the most convincing thing in the world, but it was kind of creepy. I think too. it was it was the uh, the the weird like it was very poltergeist like British nightshirt thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, like yeah that British nightshirt thing. Like it was very poltergeisty, right? Where like you have to expect her to go like they're here, yeah, <laughs> like that, right? Like. <laughs> But you know, it worked, and and uh, I it worked for that sequence, and it made it you know slightly creepy, and I liked it. This I always thought was a little weird. There, where like Storm is like freezing. That's like, I mean, I realize it's a projection; she's not real, but which still, is, <laughs> yeah, I always just thought it was really creepy. But I guess that was the point. So that was the point. It worked. And they save Professor X. See, Storm, I guess, actually got to do something in this. She got to save the day a little bit here. Well, that's the thing. That Storm saves the day, but th that's all she does. Like, okay, so she does, like, action sequency things. Yeah. Nothing that actually does anything with a character. Like, if you give her powers to any other person, then the movie doesn't change at all. No. Well, it's a lot shorter. <laughs> like, like if Wolverine okay, had Storm's if powers, you give, right? Okay, like, let's say you give her powers to someone else and their powers only work at the exact times that she needs like, to use them. Yeah. Although, yeah, if you give her powers... To this is a little weird that, like, they just left the dude in the wheelchair there to just die in the rubble. Like, that I always thought was a little weird. Yeah, he's going down. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what's his like? Nightcrawler could have saved him. He just chose not to. They're like, let's just let the cripple die. <laughs> hey, he he gambled once with teleporting through the wall. <laughs> I guess. Or he gambled at least a couple of times. Let's just. Uh, no, I just always thought it was weird that he actually, it was it was decidedly unheroic was the thing, right? Like, like that's not something they would do in the comic books. It's just let the cripple that, that is That is die, the typical, right? uh, what's the line in Batman Begins? I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. I don't you. have to save you, yeah. <laughs> that's a little different, though, because that's Batman, though, right? Who has the proclivities of never wanting to kill people. But. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, let's say that the German monk also doesn't want to kill people. Yeah, it's true. But, I don't know, <laughs> to me that was just always a little weird that Nightcrawler was like, this deeply religious man is just going to let this cripple in a chair. Just <laughs> He's like, and you know, it's the funniest thing about that now that I think about it is that he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know the situation, right? Yeah. No, so he's he, like, I'm going to save this guy and this guy, and I'm going to walk away like now. The dude in the chair is is essentially an invalid who's being forced to do... He's essentially being tortured into doing this guy's bidding, right? So, like, you could theoretically take him out and, you know, reform him into a decent human being. But although, like, oh boy, would that actually uh, complicate things plot-wise yeah. if you're bringing him along. I That's mean, true. Wolverine's carrying a kid, and like everyone else is limping along. Who's gonna carry the crippled guy? <laughs> Who keeps on trying to kill people with? They're his already body? carrying one crippled guy around, right? So. <laughs> 
And good thing Rogue decided to randomly fly the jet for no reason, otherwise, like the Almighty. You mean crash? Or crash, yeah. I <laughs> fly. I'm, I'm using the term fly rather loosely in this scenario, but like. <laughs> you got that, and was typical women driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Now he's. You know what's funny? <laughs> so, okay, so Nightcrawler, he, he teleports in Professor X. At this point, is he just. Like, showing off now that he can teleport anywhere? Well, I think that was more of a, I'll, that was more of a courtesy, I'll teleport the crippled guy first, right? Like, you know, it seems, Yeah, but now he's seems like the proper into thing. things, which is something he, he just couldn't do before, and now, now he's just doing it for fun. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> that is the best. Wolverine <laughs> drags a child along on his quest. Yeah, it's weird that this kid is here for what is what amounts to the climax of the movie, right? <laughs> the kid is just like, um, yeah, yeah like this kid is here, be here for this. Yeah, this kid is like here for the scene where they're putting a bow, like like they're wrapping up a nice, neat little like like Brian Singer built this movie or built this thing, and now he's like putting it in a box and he's wrapped it up <laughs> nicely, and this is the scene where he's putting the bow on it, right, to tie it off. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine puts the kid on the ground and the kid's like, uh, you know I'm not wearing shoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we come full circle with the, <laughs> the kids <laughs> sticking the tongue out. <laughs> We've got to get to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's let's treat that kid for hyperthermia because he did just kind of throw him in the snow for a second. Yeah. <laughs> okay. like, like, what if they had left? <laughs> like, and they're like, "Oh, Wolverine's gone. Whatever, we'll just keep going." And then, you know, he's just got a kid with him randomly. <laughs> I love I love the fact that the two biggest plot holes in the movie both involve this. <laughs> both involve the jet like like the jet crashing in the middle of you know nowhere where magneto and mystique happened to be there so that they could conveniently advance the plot and then rogue for no reason deciding hey what if i randomly try to fly the jet for no reason and crash it <laughs> exactly where we need it to be right this plane is a giant exposition device <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know what, we need, where do we need to go? We'll take the jet. <laughs> and that's the plot device. <laughs> like, not just like, we're going to fly to this place. No, we're going to fly the jet to this plot place. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but like, the, the, the jet's doing the classic, we can't get it started, right? The jet not going anywhere is flying to exactly where we need to go. <laughs> At least they have an explanation for why, because, like, Rogue crashed it, right? And now they're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah! Up for Rogue crashed right? the jet. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, usually the movies are just, they just do this thing where they're like, we're out of fuel, or something like that, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, remember when that teenager tried to fly a spy plane? Yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> this, I remember, like, when, when Gene makes the the step out. Uh, 
Okay, no, the funniest thing about this is that, okay, so she uses her psychic powers to turn on the jet, right? Yeah. But it looks like she just turns on the on switch, which apparently no one else thought to do. It really did a little bit there. (laughs) And he's like, oh my god. We've got an engine busted. Why don't you turn it on? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and like, it's like the, (laughs) the handles or whatever pull back to like, you know, make the plane go up. It's like, oh, why didn't you think to do that before? Maybe. <laughs> it was hilarious that they were like, Storm, lift it up. And she's like, I can't. It's like, yes, you can. You are a god. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Wanted to. <laughs> Say what you will about the X-Men, but the two most powerful... Uh, the th- actually, if you think about it, the three most powerful characters in the history of this comic book are women. That was a weird exposition where, where that was a weird thing that I never fully bought where where Wolverine turned to him and said you know tur- turned to Nightcrawler yeah. Nightcrawler and said get her and then he goes I can't she's not letting me it's like what? she's not it's like really is this like some sort of yeah. no means no kind of thing yeah is, is that another issue we're bringing up here that's you know I always thought was a little weird when Jean Grey was talking through Professor X and like James Marsden was like confessing his love to Professor X essentially. <laughs> yeah. That shot I always thought was cool when she did. Although like I loved it because I was like, holy fuck, we're going to get the Phoenix in the third movie. Which again, yeah. Ryan Brett Ratner would later fuck up. But I was also at the same time like, that's not how she becomes the Phoenix. Like she's like, the Phoenix is not like her going Super Saiyan. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the phoenix is a is a being that like a like a like a galactic being that takes over her body, right? Like, right. Yeah. And this the phoenix is essentially her going super saiyan, which yeah, I yeah, it is legit. It's exactly super saiyan. Yeah, it's it's literally her going super saiyan, isn't it? Although I remember at the time of watching this, I didn't care. I just wanted to yeah. see. Me too. I was like, I'll let it go if we get the fucking Phoenix at the end. But again, unfortunately, unfortunately, they never made it. Came along and never talk about it again. Yeah. Well, until we do X three commentary, which will happen. Really, they made an X three. We will talk about it at great length. (laughs) Remind everyone that it was a thing. I seem to remember there might have been another movie starring Patrick Stewart and a few of these other people, but it was not an X-Men movie. Leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not hearing you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just, yeah, I remember, like, when Jean Grey did that, I remember, like, turning to everyone, because, like, there's a lot of Easter eggs in this one, right? This was the first comic book movie, I think, where they kind of sprinkled in a lot of easter eggs like we got like gambit's nickname or we got gambit's real name on the on the you know mutant files and the thing where i could turn to be like remy the bow gambit to the person yeah. next to me right and you know we saw dr hank mccoy on the uh, television in the bar and you were like holy fuck it's beast right like yeah here. they had some nice little fan service things in the background but they didn't really shove it down our throats no, they, they were the first one to be like, hey, what if we just sprinkle? I think this is the first movie where they're like, what if we just sprinkle a few here and there, right? For the, for the, they were just kind of like, throw that in there for the fat comic book nerds and whatnot. And I was, yeah. Like, oh. 
Hey, I have a question. Um, why isn't it is Stan Lee in this movie? Yeah, I think we missed him. He's in every movie. We, we definitely like, isn't him. he? I, th- I thought he was in every movie, but I don't remember seeing him because he does have his little cameos. Or did he start that afterwards? Did he start with Spider-Man? I don't know. No, because he was in X1. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe this is the only one he doesn't make a list in. We'll have to look it up. If we did, we de- if he did, we definitely missed him. Because like in, in X1, there's the scene where Senator Kelly comes out of the water on the beach, right? And Oh, yeah, and then Stan Lee's on the beach. Yeah, right? Stan Lee's one of the guys there. Yeah, he's oh, in Daredevil. Man. He was definitely in Daredevil. Like in Daredevil. Of the ones we've done commentary tracks to... He he must be in this movie somewhere. He's got to be. Maybe we, we must have just missed him. Although, like, where's Waldo? Only two hours long. Yeah. Well, originally it was. It started off as where's Waldo, right? And then eventually it was just like, hey, he's in. Like they they eventually made it like stupid obvious that he's in every freaking scene to the point oh. where in like Avengers two he's doing shots with Thor, right? <laughs> Well, honestly, uh, one of my favorites was actually one of the more obvious ones, which was, I think, in, was it Iron Man? He plays Hugh Hefner? Yeah, it was either Iron Man 1 or 2. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it was the first one. And because he kind of looks like Hugh Hefner. A little bit. <laughs> and so, so it works. But he had, yeah, he had like the, the red silk bathrobe on and he had like... Yeah, but it, it's nice that they actually made him play a real character. Yeah. In, like, instead of just... You know, nothing. This scene I always thought was a little creepy. Like, how could what they're doing right now... Like, like if you were the president, would you trust... Like, I mean, he's saying all the right... Like, Professor X is obviously saying all the right things. But, like... These people all walked in. And I never fully understood how, like, all the X-Men got into this room. Like, because... Well, it's because Professor X is also is he like is he projecting them though? But like he no no I, isn't. I think what like... he did was he he freezes everyone's mind like he does in the opening scene, right? Yeah, not in the opening scene, but and then in, they in walk the, in. in the mall, right? They and then Storm creates such a huge storm that nothing can get no signals can get uh, get in or out, yeah. and then they walk in and they do their speech. And then they freeze him, and then they walk out, and then they clear yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it, to think that that's something that they can do, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, there was because yeah, because that was the first thing that like, like I don't I don't remember Professor X ever. Like I've read a lot of X Men comics, I don't ever remember him doing that in the comics. I mean, again, someone on Twitter will probably remind me. Oh, since you fucking whatever, you moron, and like. Um, I don't ever remember him, like, I remember him being able to, like, stop people's dudes. I don't remember him stopping everyone in the room's mind, like, he can freeze time, right? And, like, I feel like that they invented that for this movie. And when I first saw that scene way back at the beginning, when he freezes everyone's mind, I remember just going, like, man, that's crazy. Is he stopping time? Holy fuck, no, he's freezing everybody's mind. And then I was like, holy hell, he could actually do that, right? Yeah. (laughs) It was one of those things where I was just like... It was like when, when like there, there was a really good um, uh, panel or panel, but issue of the Flash, 
And they actually did it in an episode of Justice League that was a lot of fun, where Luthor and the Flash switch bodies by accident. So oh, like, yeah. So, like, Luthor's running around with in the Flash's body. And, like, Luthor at one point in the Flash's body puts his finger up against to a dude's head and says, like, you know, asks him to do something and says, you either do what I want or I'm going to vibrate this finger and scramble your brain. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God, the Flash could actually do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he could vibrate his finger fast enough where it eventually becomes a drill and he can drill it into your brain and kill you if you wanted to, right? And it was just like, oh, my God. And it took, like, Luthor taking over Flash's body and coming up with something that sadistic. Yeah, to be able to actually like, come up with how to actually use his powers, you know, evenly. Yeah, exactly. Um, like the I remember, I remember seeing a, a scene of that from uh, the Justice League, and it was like the funniest thing ever. And what it was is that they, they, they switch bodies, yeah. and you know, Luther in, in Flash's body is, you know, he's like walking around in the costume or whatever. And he's like, well, at least I can figure out who this is. And he yeah. walks up to a mirror, takes the mask off, and he stares at him. He's like, I have no, I have idea. no idea who this man is. Yeah, that was, <laughs> and it was like the Wally West Flash, too. From It was an episode of Justice League. It was my favorite episode of Justice League Unlimited. It's called The Great Brain Robbery. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's bleeping hilarious. Because also the flip side of that, too, was like Flash was in Luthor's body with you know like the legion of doom basically <laughs> so the flash isn't like like if if batman and luthor switch bodies right <laughs> like so and batman was in like the legion of doom secret organization in um <laughs> in, in, in like luthor's secret organization he would be able to take them down from the inside within like an hour but because it was, this is a good ending too, where you get like the, the lay of the Phoenix and the, like, I remember just like, when I saw that where it like rolled over and you got the silhouette of the fricking Phoenix in the wall, I remember like as a fanboy, like I had changed my shorts after that. Cause I was just like, yeah, no, me too. Yeah. I was just like, uh, I remember just like basically Phoenix. just flying out of my seat and being like, Oh, bitch, it's the Phoenix. Yeah. Cause, and like you were trying to tell like your non comic book friends who watched the movie with you. You right? don't like, even know. You don't even know. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you don't even know. You don't even know how cool it'll be. And then it never was. <laughs> God, I can't wait for them to make a sequel. And they never did. No, it's the X3 is not a thing until we have to do a commentary track on it. <laughs> the worst part about it is like yeah, now that we've done that like commentary track and me going la 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 the entire time now that we've done x2 well it'll certainly be easier to make fun of right but now that we've done x2 the worst part is we're gonna have to do x3 and i haven't watched i watched x3 once in the theaters and i was like fucked <laughs> like just fucked <laughs> the entire film and i've never seen that movie like I don't even think I've seen a frame of X3 since that first. It was even worse. Okay, so I, I didn't see that in theaters. I saw it. Uh, I actually rented the movie from Blockbuster and watched it with, I think, Liz and my mom. And the entire time I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. God, everything. <laughs> I was just like, I was losing my mind how bad it was. I was like, why? Why? Why would you do these things? And like, like I was trying to keep my shit together actually a little bit because, you know, I was watching with two other people. Maybe they want to enjoy the movie. Yeah. But I was just like, 
oh, and then as soon as the credits ended, I was like, are you serious? Like, they have the movie going, like, everything's crumbling apart, everything's crumbling apart, you know, the whole world's going to fall apart, and then they had this scene, and then they ended it with, and then everyone lived happily ever after. For no reason. <laughs> so bad. Like, Oh, it's such a bad movie. Everything about it was terrible. It's <laughs> like, so bad. And like he de- like Brett Ratner decided A to like leave out your favorite mutants, like frickin' Um Nightcrawler. Like he just excludes Nightcrawler for no reason from the third one, and then depowers all your favorite mutants. I didn't see um I was checking the uh the the cast there. I didn't see Stan Lee in the cast anywhere. Like in, in X Men Two, yeah, in the cast listing for X Men Two, there as as it was coming up there, as the so credits were rolling. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. We'll have to look it up afterwards to see if uh, Stan Lee didn't make a cameo. I remember in Daredevil there was a scene where it's like this is our third commentary track. The first one we did was Daredevil, and in Daredevil, Stanley's big cameo appearance was when they first showed like young Matt Murdock after he's been blinded they go through like a training montage of him basically learning how to fight crime as a blind superhero on his own, which was fucking dumb. And at one point, Matt Murdock, like there's traffic. So Matt Murdock stops, but there's this old guy reading a newspaper and Matt Murdock, the blind kid stops the old man with his stick from getting run over. And then once the car passes, Matt Murdock stops walking. And then the guy pulls down the newspaper and goes, Hey, that young man saved me. And it was like, it was Stanley, and you kind of yeah. go, "Hey, Stanley," and that yeah. might have been. Oh god! And then you were just super happy. <laughs> so here we are, like the credits are rolling. We're coming in for a landing on X two. I mean, what a good movie! Yeah, like, like just this. This one was. I don't know. It it was just like it just hit so many good things about the X Men franchise. Yeah. Like, like I know I, I've said before that the, the first movie had to introduce all the characters and stuff like, that, but it had to introduce more than that. The X Men world is way different than the Spider Man world. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it's, the, it's, same it's the same universe, but it's it's completely different. Yeah. Um, because the X-Men one has all of the, the mutants part of it, right? It has the the like the whole racism component. Yes. And they had to bring that up and explain it and explain like Magneto and all that stuff. And you know, once they did that, they, they introduced this world and all the characters, then you know, the movie was basically over. Um, but it was this, you know, this one, they get to really delve into that and they do some really stereotypical things, but they get to hit on things really, really nicely, um, and do some, you know, really baller action sequences, some CG that, you know, ages really well, some CG that ages not so well. Um, but overall, a lot of stuff that it just works. It's just a good movie. Yeah, and it, it is, it's always been a point of contention with me with the fact that, like, everything in Marvel, like, Marvel all takes place in the same universe, right? And Marvel has created this universe where, for some reason, the 
mutants are picketed picketed against by racists, but who are afraid of mutants, yet the Fantastic Four and Captain America and everybody, nobody's like, we gotta stop those guys, right? Like, right. They were given their powers. They weren't born with it. If you're born with it, <laughs> like we gotta be put down, right? Like, uh, it's, it's weird, but, you know, you let it go because it's fucking comic book stuff, right? And you gotta you gotta let it go, but like like, this movie was two hours long you know, with credits. So it was, it was like two two oh five with credits. There was like what five boring minutes the entire time, and it was <laughs> when they were like having that conversation at Bobby Drake's house with his with his family. You know, like where, where like if you were if you were watching this movie on cable, that would be the point where you'd be like, oh okay, this is the Bobby Drake scene. I'm gonna go make a sandwich real quick, or use the bathroom, or grab another beer or whatever. Well, and get back in time to watch pyro blow up those cars and stuff right yeah yeah exactly yeah so just like like five boring minutes in the entire time and the rest is just like i mean it was a little slow at the beginning when they were kind of in like the museum of of natural history with the bullies or whatever and like wolverine was walking around on that set that was supposed to be canada but yeah. you know like clearly wasn't. Oh, also i i looked it up and stan lee is not in this movie no oh, interesting so He's there you in, go we didn't uh, miss right. x-men he is the hot dog vendor in X Men. Yeah, on the beach. and then uh, going up to other, he is in Spider Man 2002, Daredevil 2003, Hulk 2003. He's in apparently an episode of Stripperella. Oh yeah, he well, he well Stripperella is one of the characters. She was created by Marvel. She's one. Of, I don't know if she was. She probably wasn't created by Stan Lee, but I assume he did a voice in that. Uh, it actually does say Stan Lee's Stripperella, so he's in an episode of that. Yeah, but like that and was like then a producer. Spider-Man thing. Two. Let me see and that. Yes, Fantastic all. Four, and then at that point, and then X-Men: Last Stand. Do like, you have the order? Like, do you, have the, do you have the exact order of his appearances? Yeah, I've I've, I've, I've opened up his IMDb page. All right, let's see if I can guess them all. Um, so what was his first one? Uh, X-Men. So in terms of actor. Yeah, well, just for the comic book movies. Let's see if I can guess them all. Okay, let's see where you can start from, because his first actor appearance is in 1973. Oh, God, yes, of course. I'm just talking about, like, for, for like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. The first one is X-Men. All right, so, yeah, he was. we established he was the hot dog vendor on the beach. Yep. What's the next one? there a ps scene in this movie no and we come to a landing and now we're just gonna have me guessing stan lee <laughs> cameos to close out this pod so why the hell not yeah why not uh so what's the next one um oddly enough there's actually uh before the next movie he has five credits Mm-hmm. And there are mostly video games and other silly, silly things. There's right. uh, Spider-Man the video game, and he's yeah. a narrator in that. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Uh, he he then didn't say, like... Citizen Toxic, the Toxic Avenger 4. Oh, yeah, the Toxic Avenger. That was... Uh, Toxic Avenger is, like, a classic... Uh, like, I'm not big into, like, horror cinema, but, like, the Toxic Avenger is, like, one of those, like, kind of cheesy movie franchises that, like, horror buffs like yes yeah. like their that's like their bible I, I don't know that much about it though you'd have to find someone who's into that sort of thing i don't know that much about it 
I just know that that's like their Bible. He's he in the prologue. He does the epilogue narrator and voice as Peter Parker, which is kind of interesting. Uh, TV series, the seventh portal. uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, the Avengers of Cinderella's Daughter. <laughs> that, that's fun. Um, the next movie, though, is Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember it's Spider-Man, the very first one. I, I, he just, I remember what he did in that one because I watched that movie like a million times. And he shows up. There, there's the scene where like they're having like a weird benefit, and the Green Goblin shows up and like starts you know pumpkin bombing stuff, and then, yeah like Mary Jane's hanging off the side of that balcony and there's a point where like a piece of a building falls and there's like a woman underneath it and then there's an old man and it's Stanley and he goes look out and then he pushes the woman out of the way and saves her life yeah that, that, that's the one where the yeah the whole balcony collapses and Spider-Man saves some people with web yeah <laughs> it was really good it was a classic Spider-Man moment where he was just like I'm gonna you know use my webs to stop falling debris all right, next movie after that, what do you think it was? Oh, um, the Daredevil, I would assume. Yep, it is Daredevil. Yeah, Daredevil, who he would establish with the blind guy. Um, 2002. Three. Or 2003 later they did. Um, oh, let me bring up the Marvel. I want to bring up the movie list so I can do this because I'm just trying to guess all of his... Um, appearances I don't know I don't think he was in any of the Blade movies right uh I don't see any no uh, so after there, there was another movie in 2003 so he wasn't though, in he was X2 in. Hulk uh yes. you know what I've only seen the Ang Lee Hulk once so there'd be I'd never be able to tell you no, he, he was he apparently played a security guard yeah okay that sounds vaguely familiar did he make it into Spider-Man 2? He did. He was man-dodging debris. So I think what oh, you're thinking yeah. was actually Spider-Man 2. Must have been. What was he in Spider-Man 1? Uh, Spider-Man 1, he was man and fair. Ah, interesting. I don't remember that. Um, I think he was, like, you yeah. know, someone who's, like, one of those step right up, step right up kind of guys. Yeah, maybe. I guess you're right. Did he get an Electra? Uh, no. Yeah. Fantastic Four. Yeah, he was. He was uh, apparently Willie Lumpkin. Don't know who that Fantastic is. Fantastic Four. That's funny. I, I, no one knows who that is. <laughs> oh, I honestly like that might be like a fantastic, like a minor Fantastic Four character. But since I hate the Fantastic Four so goddamn much, I don't know a lot about their minor characters. Again, X Men Last Stand. I'm. Just, I know he was in it because I remember seeing him. I his his title in that is Water Hose Man. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's a great. I'm vaguely. I'm picturing. I'm picturing him being like we mentioned him earlier. The kid who was like that was totally wicked. Yeah. I'm picturing <laughs> something like that happening, and Stan Lee just holding a garden hose, like watering his lawn. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> just, that was totally wicked. And then going like, oh my god. Yeah. I don't remember. Last Stand, same thing. Spider-Man 3, same thing. I'm sure he was in it, but I couldn't tell you. Um, I, re- I remember him being in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. He was trying yeah, to get... He, he was, apparently in Spider-Man 3, he was man in Times Square. Man in Times Square. It's just like, yeah. I, remember in, I remember in Rise of the Silver Surfer, he was uh, trying to get into the wedding. Like, they're, like at the beginning, they were 
um, what's it, Sue Storm and uh, Reed Richards are having the wedding on top of the uh, on top of the building, and he was like trying to get in, but one of them, and he's like, I, I, "You gotta let me in to the wedding," and then the bouncers were like holding them at bay. Yeah, no, that is completely correct. His yeah. title in that is Stan Lee dash rejected wedding guest. Yeah, rejected wedding guest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who is he in Iron Man in two? He, I know he was in, in Iron Stan Man. Lee. He was in Iron Man. He well, was playing himself. It says that he's Stan Lee, but no, he, I, in in Iron Man, I'm pretty sure he was Hugh Hefner. Because I'm pretty yeah, sure they right. called him talked about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. In the Incredible Hulk, the. Uh, he, I know he was in the Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton one. He was the guy who like drank the liquid that had the Hulk's blood in it, and then it knocked himself on, unco- and then it knocked him unconscious, and then it led the government to where to where he was. Um, yeah, it says Milwaukee man drinking from bottle. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so he's like working like in the Incredible Hulk. Um, Ed Norton's like working at a bottling plant for some like soft drink in Brazil and like he cuts himself and blood accidentally gets into one of the drinks. And of course, cause it's Hulk blood, <laughs> like somebody drinks it <laughs> and it, you know, knocks him unconscious and it was Stanley who drank it. Did he get into X-Men origins Wolverine? Um, the next movie is actually, uh, Iron Man two, 2010. Ah, uh, I don't remember him in Iron Man two. I just assume he was, he, I, he, it just has him credited Stanley again. So, like, I'm pretty sure in Iron One is when they call him Hugh. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because I remember Robert Downey Jr. like showing up and like patting him on the back and going, "Hey, Hugh!" And then he turns around and he gets and it's Stanley and he gets a big hero shot. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Iron Man Two, I think it's probably a pretty similar shot, yeah. if not the exact same, or even what I'm thinking of. Although I've actually seen Iron Man way more than I've seen Iron Man Two. So yeah, well, no, as you should, because Iron Man Two is <laughs> yeah. not a good film. Um, yeah, no, Iron Man Two is not a good film. No, it's really not. It should be Iron Man Two should be getting the honestly, it should be getting like the Spider Man Three treatment. It's just Robert Downey Jr. is so charismatic and so lovable as Tony Stark that you forgive how terrible Iron Man two and three are. Cause like yeah. Iron Man two. And yeah, three exactly. Two is so like Iron Man one is a solid fucking movie. Like it's it was great. really, really good. Like it's a great movie movie. Like it's not just a good comic book movie. It's a good movie movie. Yeah. And it, it was just super fun to watch. Like yeah. there, there was a lot, uh, there's a lot, but Iron Man two, when you watch it, you're just like, Oh, why? No, it's not good. And you, but you talk yourself into it because it has Iron Man in it, right? Like, uh, oh my god, okay, this is the best one. Uh, his next movie performance was in Thor, yeah. Wasn't he one of the guys trying to move the hammer in Thor? I don't His credit is called Stan the Man. Stan the Man, that's fine. I'm fairly certain he was one of the guys trying to move the hammer. Like, remember, there was the montage of like, I, I've never actually seen the first Stan, the first Thor movie, I've, I've seen the second one. It's a good watch. The second one's not a good watch. The second one is like the, to keep the, people satisfied until the next Avengers movie. Yeah, and the elves <laughs> were like attacking Thor with the color black, essentially. And like they introduced the Aether, which is going to be one of the you know six Infinity Stones. But like Thor, the first one, like it's not a fantastic film, but it's a solid comic book movie. Um, I'm fairly certain. Well, basically, there's a scene where. Thor's hammer, like Thor gets his ha- his hammer banished 
by Odin and Odin throws it and it lands in like um, Arizona and or in the desert in Arizona and it created this crater. So Thor's hammer is just hanging out in this crater, right? And there's people are trying to lift the hammer and stuff. And I think Stan Lee is one of the guys, if I remember, <laughs> he's one of the guys who unsuccessfully tries to lift Thor's hammer. Oh, of course. Um, did he get into first class? Um, actually, later that year, he made it into, oh, there's a whole bunch of 2011 stuff. Uh, he was in Captain America, the first Avenger. First Avenger? Yeah. Which one did he? I don't remember him being. Uh, General. Oh, he's one of the generals. Right. Yeah, uh, and then he was also in the Avengers, but it, no, I don't think he made it into first class. Yeah, okay. Because no, the Avengers, okay. like, was first class 2011. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he didn't make it into that. All right. Who's he? Did I don't remember when he was in the Avengers. The Avengers, he just listed as being Stanley. Yeah, okay. Um, mate, was <clears throat> what else did he get into? I remember in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was in. Uh, no, no, no. Before that, he had the classic scene as the school librarian in The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. God, I hated those. I blocked those out. I blo Honestly, I blocked out both. Or, I'm going to be honest. I never actually watched all of Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I blocked that out. That was not a great... I blocked out Amazing Spider-Man. It was so bad. Oh, really? You didn't like it at all? <laughs> no, I didn't. I just, it was so hipster. <laughs> like, it was just... <laughs> And unnecessary, and anytime we go to do the Spider-Man origin again, it just bugs the crap out of me. I remember in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was um, just some random old dude who was, like, hitting on an alien. Like, there's the bit where, like, Rocket is, like, looking through, like, a, you know, Dragon Ball Z-style eyepiece, and he's, like, sizing up all the people to see if they have any bounties, and he gets to this, like, old dude who's, like, hitting on this, like, young alien, and the old dude is... Stanley and that one and in Age of Ultron if you haven't seen it already spoiler alert Stanley's at that party where and he's like doing shots with Thor and stuff and like yeah Guardians of the Galaxy he's uh credited as Zandarian ladies man yeah there he is um, before that though there are a couple of them actually because there's Amazing Spider-Man and then uh Iron Man 3 He's a pageant judge, apparently. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's basically my... I was like, oh, I saw that movie once and I kind of... Yeah, well, I saw it... I watched it once in the drive-in with Carly. And it was double-billed. We watched um, X-Men First Class, which was, you know, fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Iron, and then Man, Iron Man 3. And then Iron Man 3, which was a complete piece of shit. So that that's how they got you in there was pretty much yeah. first class. And like well, also it was when Iron Man three was new, right? So I was like, all right, we'll go right on, we'll go watch Iron Man three. And then it was like fucking terrible. God, this sucks. Oh, uh, so bad. <laughs> we'll we'll end up having to do a commentary track to Iron Man three sometimes. But anyway, um just to put a put a bow tie on this particular podcast. Uh so go ahead, uh, scale of one to ten. What are you grading uh, X two? Oh god, that's got to be a, like. In terms of an actual movie, like, uh it, it's got to be like an eight, eight point five. Like, 
I, I, I generally grade things pretty, pretty low. But if you compare it to in the universe of all other like Marvel movies, it's like nine, nine point five. Like it's just it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I was thinking like eight five nine, that that type of range. Probably probably a strong eight five. I don't want to go as high as nine because like yeah. I'm reserving my nines for like the Dark Knight and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mike Mike Leapock, happy birthday again, good sir. Oh, thank you. Always good to have you on, and we'll, we'll get you back on uh, probably talking more Game of Thrones and more commentaries and whatnot. Um, yeah, well, it's just always fun to have you, and take care, good sir. Yeah, me too.